Okay, Smoke and Snow, session 34. When last we left our heroes, they were approaching a ruined abbey, believed to have once been the site of a shrine to St. Cluid the Effulgent. However, as we ended the last session, when they arrived there, they heard a voice calling for help, seemingly from the bounds of the ruins. Being wary of this, having previously encountered creatures that can mimic human voices, the heroes were sort of like pondering their next move when they witnessed a flock, for want of a better term, of sort of large winged silhouettes fluttering above the tree line. They couldn't really make out the details of them flying overhead and letting out these loud, piercing avian shrieks. This sort of like silhouettes descending on the ruins of the abbey. So, as we start this session, as you're approaching the abbey, you can see that it appears to be on a, a raised stone mound, a small stream running next to it. There appear to be approximately two entrances that you can see from your current position within the tree line to this area. There is a bridge that goes over this stream. Obviously, because we're in Dolmenwood, it's not winter here, so the stream looks to be fairly fast flowing. There is a, the bridge has a break in it about halfway across. It's only about five foot wide, this break. There also appears to be a very rough hewn, obviously been carved out of the side of the, the stone platform, sort of stairway leading around and up presumably to the top of this raised stone mound that holds this ruined abbey. Over to you guys. What do you want to do? Obviously, because because it's right on a raised mound, you can't really see the sort of the, the abbey fully at the moment from where you are. Um, I, don't know, I was trying to remember what the voice was. It a male, female? Could we tell the the, the voice that was crying out? It sounds. It, it's slightly difficult to tell, but it sounded like a male voice, you think. And it's his voice like, help, somebody help me. Mm. Okay. And it seemed to be coming from the direction of the top of this stone mound, so you assume the ruins. Every now and again, as you're sort of making your way around and you're trying to decide what to do, you hear this sort of ear-splitting avian shriek from the direction of the ruins. Well, are we still going, or...? Well, that sounds familiar, but that don't mean it's... <laughs> something we've met before. We should probably go and help them, though, right? Well, let's yeah. see if, if there's anyone to help. Yeah. But cautiously, I feel. Hmm. Uh, this is, after so, all, a magical place. Yes. Uh, John, the bridge. So the stairs go up and around. So there's the bridge. You go over the water and then it starts climbing up there. Yeah, the bridge Slope, sort of like slope, slopes upwards. So you wouldn't have to climb. The bridge sort of like is at an angle. So if you cross the bridge, you'll be okay. on at the top of the... 
Okay. Um, should we split up and approach from two different directions? It's a stone bridge, wasn't it? So it's that's correct. It looks fairly solid, apart from this break in the centre. Well, let's get across the bridge before we decide whether we want to split up, maybe. Well, we could split up before because there's a second way around the side, right there. But then we, oh, so we don't have to cross the stream for first. No, I don't think so. I think there's two ways across. That's correct. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'm happy to go whichever route. I'll I'll go straight ahead. Um, I'll sort of bang my new breastplate. Um, I, I can I can be there in in the sort of center, and if someone wants to flank, okay. So fine. let me flank. Sorry, John. No, I was going to say. So why more are you planning to go up the stairs or over the bridge? Uh, yeah, yeah. The the straightest route towards the so the stairs. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, I'll I'll take my time, given my peg leg and whatnot. I'm not running down. <laughs> Yeah. The bridge. Yeah, I think you should keep away from that bridge. <clears throat> okay, so what about the rest of you? Bridge or stairway? I'll I'll go across the bridge, so at least we can see the uh, the different uh, the routes. See what the difference is. See if it's okay. No problems. Okay. Do you want to take Lan and the hireling with you, and then I'll go with Weimar and Quinton? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, so we've got Lam, Clement, and Roger going with the the Man Mountain himself, and then we've got Quentin, Malcolm, and presumably your dog as well, Malcolm. Yes. Okay, there we go. So I'm going to move you onto the map of the Abbey Ruins. I'll just put your tokens in the the appropriate place. see that when you, you're on the map. Yeah. Yep. Okay, excellent. So as you can see, we've got Weimar, Malcolm, Quentin, and uh, Malcolm's dog he purchased all sort of there at the bottom of the stairs. And then we've got the other party at the bridge there. Okay, so those of you climbing the stairs, obviously not the dog, but Malcolm, Quentin, and Weimar, can you all please roll me a d6? Four. Okay. 
I'm just reloading. I think I think I've rolled one or two, but uh, yeah, you rolled twice. The first one was four. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, okay, no problem. So you guys are making your way slowly up this carved stone staircase, actually sort of heading around the side of this large stone mound. Again, from the top of it, you can hear this shrieking and what sounds like the flapping of great feathered wings coming from up above you. Meanwhile, Brock, you've arrived at the sort of the edge of the bridge, just for where the break is, and peering over the bridge, you can just about make out what looks to be a a body wearing brown and like leather travelling gear and a hood lying on its side. You can just see like a bit of blood underneath it, and there also appears to be like a a horse or a donkey of some sort, like lying on its side next to it, also blood around it, and you can sort of see the the start of the cracked, chipped flagstones that would pretend the ruins of the Abbey proper. Um, and both of these are uh, lifeless, these bodies, I take it? They don't appear to be moving. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I try and get across this gap in the bridge? Yeah. Roll me try a... And jump across. Roll me a d6, anything but a 1. Four. Yep, move yourself across. And then I'm going to basically try and assist. Oh, I've got more. Oh, they're all linked together. It's, it's, it's fine if you want to. Um, if you want to move people over. Yeah, we get some funny token moment collisions. Oh, they're all doing weird. There you are, on a second. Stop, stop moving stuff for a second. Yeah, they're and just all... Moving. I think it's the light, maybe. I think it's... I think it's Brock that's a problem for some reason. Okay, if you, if you basically, like, left-click and draw out, like, a little rectangle on a part that doesn't have a token and it should deselect whatever you've got selected. And hopefully yeah. you should be able to select one of them. Yeah. But yeah, not a problem. You leap over and you you see this dead body lying there. You see the body has a, a weapon, a short sword, its hands outstretched, it's lying on the ground. You can now see more blood. There appears to be this donkey again lying on its side. It has like jagged wounds across its flank. A poor, it must have been fairly recent because like the blood still looks like fresh. That's sort of like underneath it, lying next to it. It looks like it was once laden down with like a harness and goods, etc. But that's all been like ragged and torn. Lying next to it is a sort of half smashed like wooden like box or sort of like provision box, effectively. That looks like it was once part of the sort of packing and the items that were on this donkey, but it's all just been like torn off and now lies half smashed next to him. Okay. And this, they look like some sort of claw marks or wounds rather than yeah, they look, weapons. I mean, you, you've seen animal attacks before. Yeah. These look like giant claw marks. They look fairly similar to um, like a bird of prey's 
sort of claw marks, but like okay. much bigger. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm going to cautiously move up to sort of the end of the bridge and see if I can sort of peer around the corner into the main sort of uh, courtyard or whatever you call it. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, you move up, you peer round into the courtyard. So I'm just going to move you around this wall a bit here so you can see a bit better. So as you peer into the courtyard, you can see what appears to be a large stone statue in the centre, so like here-ish. Or I could just press the wrong button entirely. <laughs> so there-ish. It appears to be a statue of a serene man wearing clerical robes and he's holding a, a fairly simple arms bowl like you might expect to see any member of the clergy holding. Obviously this is a carved sort of stone version and he's just holding it very serenely like that. You can see around the neck of the statue there appears to be some sort of long um, metallic tube attached to a, a length of leather cord that is like I say, hung around the neck of the statue. It's obviously not part of the statue. So like I say, it's made of metal. The whole mm. statue is of stone. And also there appears to be a, a few piles of coins that have been left at the feet of the statue, maybe as an offering. You're not sure. Mm. Okay, and they're still there. Um, can I get any idea of this, this voice? Can I hear it still or...? You could, you occasionally do hear this voice sort of, like, sort of coming from the distance, or sort of over in this direction. And this voice is like, "Help, somebody, please help me." And have I got any idea of sort of how far? Would I say it's fairly close now? Or well, so you're talking sixty, seventy feet, roughly. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna move down to where this body of the the pony is here and trying sort of see if I can see more of the room to try and get a, an eyeball on this this voice or this. Okay, not a problem. You this do guy. that. So whilst you're sort of checking that out, what is the the rest of the team who are currently heading up the stairs? What are you guys doing? I'm just going to move these slightly. Yeah, feel free to move your NPCs. Rock, that's fine. Yep. We, we would be proceeding, right? Yeah, I think so. With. Feel free to move yourselves. Yeah, so I've, I've got my um, shield and uh, well, just the shield <laughs> because Fair. The, the sword is a bit it's a bit conspicuous. OTT. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So you guys, as you're moving up this stone stairway that looks like it was carved a very long time ago, you rammed the corner. And you can see the you sort of starting heading into the ruins of what you assume is this abbey. It must have once been quite a grand stone building, but it's obviously lay abandoned for quite some time. You can see where like stone has crumbled away and it's weather worn. There's also sort of odd blackened spots and almost like marks of soot on the stone, as though like some sort of great conflagration once took place here and it's sort of marked the very essence of the building itself 
I'll step closer to the is this are we looking at a like a gateway or has this wall just crumbled away it looks as though it might once have actually been a gateway heading into the abbey yeah. but I mean you could tell by like the sort of curvature of like yeah. it looks like it was once an archway perhaps with a gate in it but there's no mm. sign of the gate now and like it's pretty much entirely collapsed there's just like the vague sort of remnant of what it once was yeah. a, a hint of gates indeed <laughs> It's like it's like, it's like um, gate zero. Yeah. <laughs> same great gate taste. That's it. <laughs> same gate taste. There we go. Uh, ship it. Um, so I, I can see that there's been some some partying inside. Indeed, and in fact, as you guys are moving up, as you're sort of looking around, why am I? You notice that the pile of rubble, sort of here-ish. If it'll actually show up. Oh, there we go. Yep. There we go. Get there in the end. But yep. the pile of rubble there appears to have been like far more recently moved. Like the rubble has just been like packed in there. Whereas all the other stuff you're looking at, it's got like moss growing on it. The signs it's been there like forever and a day. Maybe a few signs, like a few small rocks falling down. Whereas this, it looks like someone's like fairly recently piled up a a big stack of stones trying to like block this. You presume the entrance to this building, and from beyond it, you can hear this voice like, "Help! Look at Help me!" So I'll sort of motion for um, Quentin and, and uh, Malcolm, sort of like making a like a <laughs> bow motion, uh, uh, and I'll bring up the shield and slowly step forward towards okay. the noise. So as you're doing that, Quentin, as you're sort of like following up behind, you you start smelling something odd sort of coming from this direction. Um, well, I don't, I don't really know how to put this politely, but it smells like shit, like actual shit, not just bad. Like, and it's just like, as you walk past the stone, there's a few like holes in like the stone wall, obviously, because it's crumbling down. And as you walk past like one of the slightly larger holes, just this faint waft of like guano or, or sort of shit comes out from this small stone building. Shit. Says Quentin. Accurate. No, the smell over here. <laughs> shit. And as he says that, anyone who goes near the, the sort of building that Quentin's right next to, again, through the gaps of this stone, you can smell this horrible aroma of stench of feces wafting out through the cracks. And instead, it's quite pungent and overpowering. There must be a lot of shit in that building. Is there any, um, like... If we look up, is there any kind of high um, areas where flying creatures might be hiding or, um, you know, like any roof, roofs or anything like that where we might be okay. looking for signs of creatures? So you look up and as you do, perched on the sort of the rocky wall, 
just like above where Quinton is, you see this horrible creature that appears to have the lower sort of torso and wings of some great bird of prey and the the upper body and face of what might have once been a, a beautiful woman, but now it's begrimed and befouled in feces and blood splattered all over it. There is a there is an, an intense sort of look of hatred in the eyes and a complete lack of humanity registering on the face. As you sort of look up, it meets your gaze. You see it leap off the top of the wall, sort of folding its wings, diving down towards your group. You've got a few seconds to like react because you've seen it. It was going to come down on you anyway, but you've spotted it. You've got a few seconds to react. What do you do? I want to shoot us. Okay, go for it. Uh, 17. Okay, that is enough to hit it, so roll your damage. Uh, three points of damage, and then I'll dive out of the way. Okay, no problem. Well, obviously you're now all made aware of the presence of this creature, thanks to Malcolm firing his arrow and then diving out of the way. There's a loud screech from this creature as the arrow sort of goes through it's winging and you see that feathers burst out behind it and at this point i'm going to ask obviously that was effectively a surprise round can i ask one of you guys to roll a d6 for initiative for the player party down to you guys who rolls it oh, i i went ahead and rolled a one okay no <laughs> problems <laughs> so problems for you do we have a do-over no i'm afraid not Oh, we will be done over, I think. <laughs> but you get to roll again next round, so. That's a five for me. Okay. So, NPCs going first. So, the, the harpy that's coming down is going to go for Quentin because he's the nearest. So, it gets two claw attacks. So, the first one. is a 16, if that hits. Yep. So that's three hit points of damage as it sort of dive bombs down and goes past you and rakes at you with one of these jagged, filth-encrusted talons. However, does it manage to hit you with its other claw on its way past? I extremely doubt it. I think that's a 12. No. Yep, so as its first claw hits you, you manage to sort of like roll to one side and sort of basically like take yourself out of the way of the other claw. As it sails past you, your blood staining its talons, again, it lets out this sort of predatory screech. And immediately around the abbey, you hear myriad other sort of screeches answer it. And as you look up, all of you, this includes... Obviously, Brock, because you've seen this going on, you see other shapes sort of put now, sort of like moving to the edge of these large stone walls that they've previously been perched on. However, those other harpies aren't going to get to go this round because they're sort of moving themselves into position. So, on to you guys. So. I'm just going to go in order that they are on my um, list. So what's Clement, your hireling, doing? 
Brock? What are you having her do? Um, have we actually seen the harpy from here, or is he sort of behind the wall? I think you'll have probably glimpsed it because it's like flapping its wings. It's so know it's diver. roughly around yeah. there. Okay. Um, and have I seen where the other harpies are to be able to react, sort of, or prepare ourselves for potential incoming? I think you'll have probably got you'll have probably got a rough idea, given that you're a hunter, given that you heard the other cries, you'll have probably got a rough idea where they're sort of located. So is that up to the oh I can see one there, yeah, up to the north there. Okay. Okay, so they'll be looking up. So we're we're gonna um make a sort of defensive um positioning down here, I think. Okay. So he's gonna move into position. To engage what is potentially going to attack us. Okay, well, just to keep it simple, do you want to like move the entirety of your party? Because obviously you're in control of all of them. Yep. Uh, and if someone's got a a spear, would they be able to throw it up at the harpy that's nearby? It's, they're a little bit too high up at the minute because they're literally okay. like where the roof would be. Okay, so... Um, yeah, so we're just going to... Uh, you notice they seem to be following like a version of what you'd expect from sort of like large predatory animals. You know, they're like, they're trying to keep out of range of you, dive down, swoop, do a bit of damage, and then fly up like before you can get to them, basically. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to take that position in with um, Clement behind with his spear, trying to just sort of stab up at the sky and the rest of us in a sort of melee formation. Okay. So over to the to the other party Malcolm what are you doing what are you and the dog doing uh, so I am going to shoot the one that I shot the last time yep no problem I'll certainly attempt to uh, 14 I believe that's exactly what you need to hit no it's more than you need to hit so you have hit it Okay, so that's five points of damage. Um, is this creature low enough for the dog to take a bite? I would say yes, because it swooped in to, to sort of like get at Quentin, so it's sort of like just behind Quentin, so yeah. Uh, okay, so that's a hit for six points of damage. Okay, so would you like to describe how your dog <coughs> finishes off this creature? Um, so I'm guessing as it was kind of swooping down, uh, he kind of jumped up and bit it by the wing and kind of dragged it down to the ground and then kind of ravaged it while it was on the ground with a broken wing. Indeed, so as it flails around in its death throes, the creature lets out a, a sort of strangled cry which sounds half like that of a, an animal in distress, but with an eerie human edge to it, halfway between the cry of a wounded dying animal and halfway between that of a, of a human in extreme pain. But after a few moments, your dog's still tearing into it. It lies still. Okay, Quentin. I'm going to throw my silver dagger at this one here. Okay. Yep. 17 for three points. 
so I would say as this one sort of like swooping down to to go for Brock and he's like you throw your silver dagger sort of catch it in the in the wing you see like a brief spray, spray of blood as your dagger sticks in its wing and it lands awkwardly sort of next to where Brock is it was obviously planning on doing like a swoop attack like that one did on you but your dagger hits it basically it affects its flight because its wings have been punctured and it's sort of it it's not injured more than your attack but it lands quite heavily and awkwardly and it's now on the ground okay why not um there's I haven't really heard any other harpies behind me other than the one that's now dead. Would that be correct? That's correct. Right, so I'll sort of step, start going forward. And uh, I'll, I'll take out the sun sword. That's as far as I can go. Uh, okay. I'll, yeah. So I'll you take stride out the sun forward. Sword. You pull out the sun sword to see obligatory. Ah, the, the sunlight s streams out of the yeah. sword. And I'll, I'll sort of like spin it around a bit, sort of to be like, over here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no doubt about where Weimar is. <laughs> okay. So we're on to the next round. Does one of you guys want to roll a d6 for you? Yeah, maybe, maybe should... someone else should try <laughs> I can do it. Go for it. Ooh, six. Ooh. Okay, so you guys are going first. I've got a four. Okay, so we'll start off with Brock and his posse again. Okay. Um, the other one hasn't engaged yet. So, I'm yeah, I'm going to take a, a swing at this one that's landed. Okay. Or not. Uh, 13. That's still a hit. Oof, just 6 damage. Indeed, so although it tries to evade you, you plunge your sword, sorry, your spear, deeply into the side of the creature. You see it's like backing up, there's blood coming from its wing, it's still got the silver dagger sticking out of it. You, you've sort of jabbed your spear into it, blood's pouring out of the side of it, and it's like staggering backwards, sort of holding up its wings as though to try and shield itself. And you see with sort of growing unease that as it as it sort of like moves its wings up like that, you can see that where you would expect to maybe see the claws or the sort of membranous sort of top of the wings, there's actually these eerily human and feminine like hands instead of claws, but with like long fingernails that resemble talons sort of at the tops of its wings as it's like going like that and trying to shield itself, sort of like backing away. Hmm. Mysterious. Okay, what's the rest of Team Brock up to? Um, well, I mean, it's obviously attacked us, so Lan will uh, also jump into the freight. Uh, miss, I would imagine. Yeah, unfortunately, she, as it's sort of backing away, she manages to knock a few of its feathers off, but doesn't really do any damage. And then uh, Roger there. In the front line, front rank, he misses as well. Is is Clement able to attack it with a spear? Or I would say yeah, she can attack over Roger. That's fine. Uh, 
So we'll attack from the so back right. Oh, foul. Okay, so despite your best efforts, it's only Brock that's managed to land a, uh, a hit on us. I think it's withdrawn. It's enough to get away from us. Indeed. So over to the other team. Weimar, you've sort of strode towards this statue. You're striding towards where Brock's taking up a defensive position with the Hylings and his mate, Lan. And they're sort of slowly sort of backing this obviously injured harpy off they've not done much damage to it but they're sort of forcing it backwards step by step i'll go over here and do a sort of flanking maneuver okay. as they're driving it back and try and come in from the side with a with an impale uh there we go Sun sword. That's gonna not hit. <laughs> <laughs> so I I continue waving it around more for I guess uh, sort of like hit me. <laughs> than so I'm gonna say as you're sort of forcing this creature back, it's like moved back into an area that's more sort of covered with rubble. It's like retreating the bones. Obviously, you're having like issues with balance. As you're going into mm -hmm. this sort of like rocky areas, you don't manage to land a hit on it. Okay, Malcolm and the dog. Um, so I would like to uh, come up to about here, and I want to try and shoot this one here. Okay, go for it. Eleven. Okay, you fire your arrow. It's dead on target. Then at the last moment, this harpy like flaps its wings and sort of jets upwards a little bit, and the arrow sails through the space it previously occupied. Cool. And the dog will just come and stand beside me, and I guess get ready to attack anything that comes near. Okay, Quentin. I'm going to move to here. And pull my bow because I've just thrown my knife that's stuck in a harpy. Um, yeah, just wait now till I can get a clearer shot. Okay, no problem. So I'm going to go on to the enemy turn, obviously. So, Malcolm, Quentin, not, not so much the dog. As you're as you're sort of moving around this building, taking your various positions, either drawing weapons or firing weapons, etc. As you're heading past this pungent smelling, to put it mildly, building, you hear a strange, eerie piping, almost singing, coming from somewhere inside the ruined building. And I'm going to ask, can both of you please make a save versus spells? As this eerie singing floats out of the ruined building. Okay, so on your next 
go. You, you are effectively charmed by the eerie singing of one of these harpies. On your next action, you'll be compelled to move towards the harpy, even resisting people who try and stop you. Defend the harpy, obey their commands if understood, and you'll be unable to harm it. Now, if you if you take damage or something happens to you, or if the harpy dies, obviously, if the harpy dies, it breaks the charm anyway. But like, if you got injured or something like that, that would enable you to like retake the save. Just to let you guys know, you are charmed, so I'm going to put... Uh, which one charmed us? It is one that is inside the ruined building, which I will now make, hopefully make visible. You may not be able to see it, but it's basically... Okay, scene, so the that's the direction from, we're moving in. Okay, yeah, yep. the scene is coming from that direction. Awesome. Okay, so that's the, the first harpy. So this injured one here is going to back up five feet there and it's going to attempt to attack Weimar so it has two claw attacks I doubt I'll do much against Mr. Plate Mail but uh, we'll see I mean <laughs> historically so, I've always 17. died <laughs> yeah 17 hits that's two points of damage <laughs> second claw attack there we go <laughs> okay I'll take it back that, no. is, that is also two points of damage. John, this, this is what we do. I buy the plate mail. Doing the that same old dance one, same old dance. I just die. It's just, we should switch this up uh, sometime. But... <laughs> so obviously you, you've lost your four hit points. So as this creature's backing up, it lashes out. And more by good fortune for it and ill fortune for yourself rather than any skill, it finds a few like sort of chinks in your armor and it scores and shallow cuts across your skin you feel a couple of like rivulets of warmth run down inside like the undergarments below your armor okay these harpies here are going to move in one's going to move in to attack brock and this one is going to swoop in to attack weimar okay so the one attacking weimar again it's two claws That one missed. And that one missed as well. So as you're sort of reeling back a little bit from these two lucky blows, another harpy flutters in and you're engulfed in this this shrieking half-woman, half-eagle creature as it flails at you with its claws. You hear the rasping sound of them grating along the metal of your armour, but neither of them managed to penetrate it then we've got one attacking Brock so again two claws first one is a 15 nope okay second one nope yep yeah, so this harpy again swoops in it's scratching at you trying to get to you and you're basically just sort of like keeping it at a distance with your spear. You don't manage to cause any damage on it, but you're sort of like keeping it back so it can't get in close and claw you up with its savage talons. Okay, so that's the NPCs gone. So initiative again. 
I've only rolled a one, so you've not got much to beat. Okay, so you guys are going first. So we'll we'll start off with Quentin and Malcolm. Obviously, you're charmed, so you're sort of being drawn to this location. Okay, so as you both move in to this building, you, the sort of part of you that's just, it's almost like you're trapped inside your own bodies. They're sort of being puppeteered, I suppose. But like, there's a part of you that still sort of registers what's going on. As you sort of wander into this building, like, the whole building is like smeared with shit and foulness. But as you sort of move through it and you sort of skid and slide on the befouled floor, you think you must be in some sort of old dormitory or something similar. There's rotten bedrolls, bits of spoiled food, and the odd scraps of bone, perhaps the remnants of the harpy's previous meal sort of smeared around this place. And they've obviously been nesting here because there's guano everywhere, and there's like twigs and bits of stone that have been dragged in almost as though they were trying to make some sort of blasphemous nest in this place and as you stumble through the building sort of sliding over Quentin you're sort of at the front as you stumble into this chamber to the left of you you dimly register even in your charmed state there's like what looks to be amidst a nest there's what seems to be like a large pile of like copper pieces and bits of like uh, forks and knives and just other rubbish that seems to have been gathered into a big pile perhaps by the harpies ahead of you is one of these foul creatures sort of squatted down on the floor but its wings spread wide and this blasphemous imitation of a human female sort of has its mouth open and this stream of like this eerie piping high-pitched singing that sounds both horrible and beautiful to yourself seems to royal forth out of it okay so while the the charmed team's dealing with that we're going to jump over to the other side i'm going to ask also weimar and brock can you roll me a d6 this is to see if you actually heard the song as well anything but one you're fine okay so you've so you've not noticed the song you've all but because you've not noticed that you've not noticed anything odd about malcolm and quentin like disappearing into this crud smelling building obviously you're preoccupied with what's going on where you are at the moment so why more what do you want to do um take a swing at the the wounded harvey um, go seventeen for nine that that'll do it okay so how do you dispatch this creature with the sun sword? Um, <clears throat> I think it's because I am very much being battered now by the two of these. Uh, I, I guess I'll push back the sort of fresh one with the shield for long enough to take like a, just a wild swing off to the side, like a backswing, and it, it just like goes through like butter, and there's like a <laughs> of feathers and and like singed uh, bird person meat <laughs> indeed and that is exactly what happens 
let me just remove these two that are dead from the map so they're not getting in the, the way of anything I'll just slide them off to the side so we can, we can count them later for XP purposes and whatnot. okay so yeah you battle one back with your shield and then you slice through this one that's still wounding and it's sort of like backing away you literally just step within like the bounds of its wings and the sun sword sort of cleaving through it the smell of burnt feathers and flesh wafts into the air as the sun sword briefly like bursts into flames as it as it normally does when it cuts through something okay Brock, you and your posse, what are you up to? Um, I'm going to take my two-handed sword to this one that's immediately ahead of me. So I'm going to... Slay. 11. That's not enough, is it? One shot. Oh, okay. Um, these two hirelings are going to try and assist... He's a failure. Oh. And uh, Lan had already committed to moving forward to assist Weimar as he was outnumbered, so she's going to go ahead with her plan. And okay. I'm going to take a swing at this one. And that is a dismal round for Team Brock. Indeed. Hopeless. The effort of Mars. <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think that's in the rules but okay, <laughs> okay. plus one for effort <laughs> so we're on to the NPC's turn so this harpy in here is going to sort of move up and gather the, the sort of charmed people around it so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to move harp and quentin along with the harpy since they're effectively acting as like a unit now and obviously the dog's just like following along with Malcolm because that's, that's what it does so any of you who are over there you watch as another harpy this time sort of almost doing like an odds of like hopping sort of walk emerges from the building and like on either side of it and you guys have seen like how people like form up when they're getting ready to defend something and it's flanked on either side by Malcolm and Quentin both sort of with their weapons drawn. However, before we get to that, the harpy that is being fought by Lan and Weimar opens its mouth, and again this eerie singing drifts out across the ruins. And I'm going to ask Weimar and Lan, can you both make me a save versus spells? This eerie singing seeks to penetrate your very consciousness. Is this John magic? Yes. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for your meddling magic. Okay, so as I said to Harp and Quentin, you are now charmed by this. Uh, this harpy, obviously, likewise, until you get injured or it dies, you are sort of charmed to try and defend it and cannot attack it yourself. Okay, so it's done its go, it's done its singing. The harpy here 
I'm going to roll to see if it attacks. One to two, Clement. Three to four, Brock. Otherwise, it's Roger. Okay, so it's attacking Clement. So, two claws. First one misses. Second claw. Also misses. So, you to be honest, you're, you're pretty impressed, Bok. I mean, Roger's a little more than like a like a fat, scrappy farm kid who's like, maybe one day I can grow up to be a hero. And he's like, he's got good intentions, but he has like no sort of skill base. He's obviously spent his life on a farm. He's good for like moving heavy stuff, but like he's not a practice combatant. Whereas you can see, although she's she's a little like rough around the edges, she's not like a, a practice veteran. Clement has obviously had like some military experience, or she, she's at least had some form of previous combat experience. And as this creature's clawing at her sort of frantically, you can see her sort of blocking the the claw blows with a weapon. Although she doesn't manage to get a blow in on herself, you can see she like, parries it quite well, even though she's being like forced back a little bit. And you can hear like the kung, 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 with the claws scraping on her weapon as she staggers back a few paces. Okay, so that's it for the NPCs. It's, so, Brock, would you like to roll for initiative? Yeah. Oh. Okay, let me roll for the uh, bad guys. Okay, so it's the bad guys first. So, the Harpy, along with the Charmed Quentin, and Malcolm is going to sort of move up to here. It is then going to attack Clement with its two claws. First one hits, that's one point of damage to Clement. The second claw probably also hits for another hit point of damage. So, uh, oh no, she's got 17. Oh, that's fine, so it's only one point yeah. of damage. Okay. So she takes a narrow scrape from this harpy's claws. Okay, so the one attacking Brock, since obviously you can see that Clement's been attacked. In fact, I'm going to roll to see whether it attacks Brock or Roger. Even chance of each. One to three, Brock. Okay, so it's going for Roger. So two claw attacks. First one misses. Maybe he'll survive. Second claw attack. Oof, maybe not. He takes four hit points of damage. Oh, Roger. He's down. Indeed. So this creature tears into Roger. He tries valiantly to fend it off, but like I say, he's an unpracticed like farmhand seeking a life of adventure. Unfortunately, that seems to have been cut brutally short as again and again these, these talons puncture his flesh. You see like blood spray out from him. He drops to his knees and starts trying to scramble back and it claws down the side of his face, sort of tearing his neck open. He, he sort of looks over to you, towards you, Brock, reaches out like a shaking hand, a sort of slightly like pleading look in his eyes, and then he topples sideways onto the floor. 
Okay, so the one that has a charmed Weimar is going to attack Lan. First one is a 14. Uh, she's 15 on this class. Okay, so it's a second claw. Also misses. So Lan using her warrior ice walker trait manages to deftly evade the claw swipes of this creature. So since we're still effectively on the, the NPCs go, anyone who is charmed you can act on the NPCs go because you're effectively acting in the NPCs interest. Obviously I'm going to let you guys roll for your characters etc. Obviously your aim is to, I'll leave it down to you how you interpret it within reasonable limits, but your aim is to protect the harpy you've been charmed by and prevent harm coming to it in the most expedient manner possible. So, Can I, can I fire an arrow at that one then? Yeah, if it's, if it's not the one that's charmed you. Excellent. However, I will point out that like your harpy is in danger of being attacked. By Clement? Yeah. Now, I will say it's down to you. If, you, if you're like, oh, Clement's no danger to it. Well, there's that. and I can't really draw a bow and fire with a adequate force at close range. So that's very true. The one behind him. Yeah, go for it. Twenty for two. Okay, so your arrow scores a shallow cut across the harpy, and it lets out a screech. Why more? S someone's just shot at your beloved mistress, and, it, and it's dared injure them. So, how does prioritizing work in in this magic? Because there is a uh, what does Lan have again? Like a big two-hander? Yeah, basically. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a big two-hander right there. Um, so it does it because uh, I'm I'm leaving it down to you guys yeah. what to prioritize. because basically you it's not completely taken over your minds. You're still very much yourself. It's yeah. it's like it's like you know that bit in RoboCop where it has like the the directives, mm -hmm. and it's basically like all they've done is they've shuffled all yours down one step and then put protect the harpy at the top mm -hmm. as like number one. Other than that, you're still yourself, still free to act as and make judgment calls as you see fit, as Quentin did. So, I know that I can't, like it's very unlikely that I will be able to put land down in one go. So, and th this is this is what Weimar is thinking because, you know, yeah. Ice Walkers. Like, That's true, they are, they are double hard. I mean, the main Ice Walker you know is Brock and like, he's like double hard. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm struggling to think if there's any hint of an action like this in the OSE framework. Well, just, just shout I, out what it is and we'll, if not, yeah, we'll make so, a ruling on it. The idea would be, uh, because Weimar is basically being like, I've got my new armor. Like, I'm I'm frontline now. Like, I'm switching up it up a bit because I've been an archer. Now I'm going frontline. And um, I, I'm thinking Lan has a big two-hander. Could be real bad for my harpy friend. 
Can I get in the way? Like, can I, like, tank for the Harvey? Okay, so what I'm going to say is, as you sort of step towards the space it was occupying, mm. the Harpy actually flutters up into the air, and it actually, like, lands on your shoulders with its talons. So, effectively, you're both actually in the same space, but yeah. obviously I've moved the token back. So it's yeah, I, I can see you, you put me lower down the pole. That's yeah. very, very concrete now. And... <laughs> Yeah, obviously no. it's planning to do that so it can still attack as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whilst but I'm, I'm, of you being like, I, I step there. I guess like my intent would have been like, I'm going to like shove it away and then I'm here instead of it. Yeah, that's uh, fine. So when in fact, it's just, as it goes to land on your shoulders, <laughs> you actually like push it off behind you, trying to keep it safe and it flutters to the ground behind you. Yeah. Because I was like, no, you go away. I'll deal with this. And um, yeah, just raise up my shield and get ready to get smacked in the head with <laughs> with the giant two-hander. Okay, so we've still got Malcolm in the in Team Charm. Um, <clears throat> so I would like to do something similar to what Weimar has done, and if possible swap. Uh, I want to push the Harpy back to like here, and step in between it and Clement. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. And then what I would like to try and do is grapple Clement and take whatever weapon she has off her. Okay, that's not a problem. So I'm going to ask you to make a strength roll, please. Here we go. Uh, failure. Okay, so you do actually start grappling with her. That's not a problem. However, like I say, she's obviously got some combat experience and she sort of sees what you're trying to do. So she's sort of like fending you off with one arm while holding a weapon out of the way because obviously she's not sure what's going on because like you're one of the guys that hired her and now you're like trying to wrestle her and she's like, I'm not going to let you take the weapon, but I'm just trying to like keep you away because I don't really know what's going on. But um, yeah, you're both sort of like grappling with each other at the moment, which would make it very difficult slash nigh and impossible for anyone to like shoot or like missile attack Clement because the two of you are sort of like wrestling around. Cool. What's your dog doing? Um. So I guess I don't know if it would be smart enough to attack this one. But I'm like, I don't, because I have enough of my wits about me that I want to try and protect the harpy without harming anyone that I traveled with. Um, so I wouldn't have it attack Clement or do anything like that. But I wonder would it, would it, I think smart un unless you specifically ordered it to, it probably wouldn't. I don't think you'd have time because you're obviously like wrestling about. Yeah. So I think, no, so I think it's just kind of looking at me, wondering why I'm not attacking the harpies that I was attacking five minutes ago. Okay. No problems. So, uh, and apologies, I forget. I, I think I've done the harpies already, haven't I? And then it was the charmed. Yeah, you, you won that go. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So we're on to the the non charmed player characters and NPCs now. Or is that like okay. Team Brock. Yeah, was was three of us. Um, is um, have we got any knowledge of these things? Do have we got any understanding of what's going on here? You've not seen creatures like this before. No, so we're completely in the dark as to what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to you, it seems as though like you're 
your fallows have like taken leave of their senses there they've yeah, moved definitely. in in defensive formations around these foul creatures although they've not just started like wading into your allies they're obviously like trying to stop these these abominations from being harmed mm. and i obviously heard the singing yes. so although it was slightly the... muffled and distorted for you because there's lots of yeah well lan heard it yeah yeah in, in that situation um so can Lan get past Weimar or try and get past Weimar to attack this harpy? I'm going to say since he's trying to, since he's like deliberately trying to block it, I'm going to say mm-hmm. she's going to have to make a strength check to get past yep. him because he's literally like trying to put himself in the way and he's a heavy old whoop, guy. Whoop, he's got whoop. full plate on. Yes, fair enough. This this will go great for me, I think. <laughs> well, she's not that strong. Uh, she failed. Yep, so she's trying to sort of like get round Warmer and push around and every time he's just like stepping in the way and she can't move him because he's like a fully armoured guy. Yep. But obviously she's not actually been harmed herself yet. So. so I guess the question then is like, does Lan go for the the attack? Okay. Try and get him out of the way? So what's next? Uh, well, no, she's trying to get to this singing thing because she's putting one-on-one together and deciding right. that yeah. the harpy yeah. needs to go down yeah, go. To, mm-hmm. to try and help the situation. Um, so Brock's going to take a swing at this one in ahead of him because he, he still sees that as a major threat, obviously. Um, Fourteen. That is a hit. That's a, ooh, 11 damage. He takes a mighty swing. Two-handed sword. So, Brock, you've not quite killed this creature, but basically you've taken it to like from like full health to like it's pretty. It's almost a bloody smear on the ground. That's like. So, how does the mighty Brock stride in and almost not quite, but almost finish this creature up? Um, well, he's 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 driven on by land, seeming to be struggling with with Weimar at the moment, which seems very odd to him. Um, so he just puts all his all his might into a, a massive overhead two-handed slice straight down, cleaving off one of the the wings, uh, and just leaving it in a bit of a bloody mess. And indeed, that's what happens as it flaps its wings feebly, trying to defend itself against its oncoming doom. You step in with a mighty sweep of your weapon, sever the wing. It struggles to rise for a few moments and then collapses in a red sodden heap on the floor. Okay. Got Clement. Um, we're seeing it. There's a wall of um, guardians against this one. Can Clement sort of um, disengage and move up to this, this one up here? Okay. Is that going to cause complications? No, that's fine. What I'm going to do, because there is actually a specific sort of disengage rule, which we don't tend to use because normally it's not important, but I think in this case, yep. because of the like the wall of defence. So basically, when you're in melee with a foe, which effectively you are with the Guardians, the following forms of movement are possible. You can do a fighting withdrawal, which means you have to move backwards up to half your encounter movement rate, which means... There's no chance of anyone attacking you because you're defending yourself. But you have to go like straight backwards and there has to be a clear path, which there isn't. 
or you can retreat which allows you to move your full move away however you may not attack in this round and if you're attacked by the opponents who were fighting you on the next round they will get a plus two as you're sort of like extricating yourself from the combat um was clement seems that um malcolm was sort of not attacking her per se she's going to risk sort of retreating basically to get out of that and hope that they stand their ground and just protect the harpy that seems to have some sort of special effect on them okay so malcolm quentin and obviously the dog technically if any of you guys attack clement in your next turn you will get a plus two bonus in addition to anything else you get because she's pretty much turning her backs on you and like trying to like get out of the combat so it's not exactly an attack of opportunity but it represents a, a sort of similar thing mm -hmm. okay so if that's everybody we go on to the next round does one of you got brock do you want to roll initiative since you're uncharmed i'll roll for the bad guy so i'm on five three okay so as you're obviously charmed people you're you're also bound to obey the harpy's commands as i said previously so quentin malcolm the harpy behind you sort of points one of its eerily feminine hands towards clement and it's like kill them and in a similar fashion the harpy behind you weimar waves one of its wings in the direction of Lan. It's like, destroy her! And then it's just the, the injured harpy attempting to attack Brock. So I'll do a couple of claw rolls for that. So that's an 18 for three points of damage. Yep. And the second one misses so it manages to rake you across the neck once for a few hit points of damage yeah okay so charmed folk so malcolm and dog now just from a prioritization perspective um would following the harpy's orders supersede my wish to protect us yeah it's following its orders goes to like number one priority. Okay, so even though ultimately <laughs> Brock is going to kill it if I move. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so and the order she gave us was to kill it, to kill her. Yeah, pointed at Clement and was like, "Kill her." Okay. Uh, so I will move up to here. Oops, sorry. I'll move up to here. Um, and I and guess I'll, I'll just... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm assuming as well that since you start attacking something, your dog will wade in as well. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's a statue in the way. That's the problem. Sorry. Sorry, I'm going to sec. I'll see if I can move it for you. There we go. Okay, so uh, okay, I'm guessing that's 
a dead or very much dying planet. Yeah, so one, one health. <laughs> Well, I was going to say that's 10 points of damage. Clement's only got 10. Oh, sorry, it's 10. I thought it was 8. Sorry. Yep, so Malcolm strides forward, slightly glazed expression on his face. Are you using the, um, the sword of respect? Yeah, I think I would be. Okay. Much as I dislike the thought retrospectively, but yeah. Okay, so not a problem. So Malcolm again with this slightly glassed look on his face strides forward with the sword of respect and hacks this this unfortunate hireling down to the ground with a series of precise strokes however as you do this malcolm the the sort of after effects of the sword of respect that you know so well now you have killed a sentient creature suddenly even through the sort of haze of this beguilement that has clouded your mind, the sort of like the imperative of the sword of respect. Like, I should really give this this person a respectful burial now that I've slain them. It's only the right and respectful thing to do. That is going to allow you to make another save versus spells. Because effectively, the sword's trying to get you to do one thing, the charm's trying to get you to do another thing. It's just which of them wins. Okay. Here we go. Ooh, nice. Okay. Okay, so on your next round, you'll spend your next round burying or sort of piling rocks up however you see fit, Clement, but after that you will be free to act because the sword sort of enchantment has wiped away the harpy's enchantment. Okay. Overpowered it. And in the meantime, am I able to order my dog to attack this injured one here? Yes, you are. You're sort of snapping out of it, and you're like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to bury this body." But you sort of look around and you take in what's going on, seeing it clearly for the first few time as like the haze of the beguilement starts to slip from your senses. So yes, you can order your dog. Okay, so I'll just order to attack this injured one here. Uh, so I'm guessing that's a miss, but it will at least distract us. It. it is. Yep. So. Brock, this all looks quite bewildering to you. You see Malcolm step in. He, he hacks down Clement with like this glazed look on his face. Then he sort of stands there for a moment, the, the sword held in his hands. And you see like his, his expression seems to clear and he looks like slightly puzzled. He like looks down at Clement and starts piling rocks like a, almost like a makeshift can on a body. And then he sort of like turns around as though looking sort of Bleary as though he's like seeing the scene clearly for the first time, and you see him like he gives a whistle and like points at the harpy near you. The dog leaps into the attack, the harpy's like flailing and like batting it away with its wings, but the dog is trying to like wade in on the side of you guys. Okay, now Quentin, obviously, you can't follow the orders to kill Clement because she's already dead. Obviously, you're your imperative is still to protect the harpy that's charmed you. It's down to you how you interpret that, as I said previously. I'm going to move here and shoot this one again. Okay. Nope. <clears throat> Okay, so you fire it, but perhaps because you're distracted by the enchantment, your 
bolt sails past the creature. Okay, Weimar. You've also been commanded to kill. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> does it suppress like cognition that goes against the order? What or, do you mean? Uh, what I mean is I want to think at the sword and say son bro, take the wheel. <laughs> like you just possess me. Because oh, I know that that's an interesting it, tactic, actually. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> technically, the Nightblade is capable of doing that. Yeah. Right. You forgive me. I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I've got me, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting this. I'll be perfectly honest. Okay. Just give me a moment. Mm. There we go. Sentient swords. Right. Okay. Okay, so what we need to do is we need to work out your will score, and that is the sum of your strength and your wisdom scores. Right, that'll be a 17. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Yep, so as you feel your body like moving forward, almost against your own volition, but as I've said, there's like a portion of your brain that's like... You're a pilot in your own body, but you haven't. The controls have gone out of your your reach. You you sort of you still have the power of thought. You're connected with the sword. It's got like extra sensory telepathic communication with you. You think of the sword, sort of saying like, "Oh, well, how how do you phrase it?" Like, what, what I um I actually don't know what the language would be, but uh, Weimar does know what it can do. Um, because it's done before, like it's taken my sword hand before. Um, so I, um, I guess he would have seen like puppet shows. So it, I'm going to think of it as like, like you, you need to grab me by the strings, like a puppet and, and take this show because I, I can't be trusted anymore. Okay. As you think that the, the sword flares again, bright with this, this morning sunlight, and Brock and Malcolm, from where you are, you see Weimar's eyes sort of roll back into his head, and then they seem to turn into like a pure sort of like gold colour. You have now effectively been taken over by the sword, but obviously, I'll leave it to you to react. Obviously, yeah. the sword wants to keep you alive as its primary goal because you're its wielder, but also, it's a holy sword that exists to smite evil things. Yeah, it's like we're we're going like turbo paladin. <laughs> yeah. So one one thing the sword will know that you may not have picked up on is obviously it basically knows because it can sort of see the control over you that like, if this harpy dies that's controlling you that will effectively break the control. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're effectively now in control of your character, although you're actually playing the sword controlling your character. D and D. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm pretending to be a sword who's pretending to be a dude. I'm, uh, I'm just a dude pretending to be a sword, pretending to be a dude. Who yeah. amongst us hasn't done that from time to time? Yeah, yeah, that's Friday night for me. Um, so is, is that my like? Does that take the turn or that that we... does take your turn? Yeah, because yeah, I, I like that's not a simple thing that we're doing no. right now. <laughs> I mean, obviously the the sort of thought communication is obviously yeah. speed of thought, but then it has to actually take control of your body which yeah. isn't instantaneous yeah. 
Okay, so you guys are basically seeing like there appears to be this momentary like internal struggle in Wymore's body, and then the sword like flares brightly, and his eyes turn to this sort of like radiant gold colour. And like the light that's coming from the sword appears to now be sort of like suffusing his entire body. Like there's light sort of like coming out from the cracks in his armour, like daylight coming out of it. Okay, so is everyone who's charmed, have they gone? Yep. Okay, so I can't remember if I've done the harpies yet. So I got so wrapped up in that a sword taking over a man, taking over a sword who just wants to be loved. Did I do the harpies attacks? I honestly can't remember. Harpies just ordered. I don't think they've actually done anything. Okay, well, move, believe. movement doesn't take... Well, sorry, um, speaking doesn't really take anything. Yeah. So I'm going to move this harpy to here. It's going to attack Brock. This harpy to here that's going to attack Lamb because obviously, although it's seen there's something weird going on with Weimar, it, it doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know its control has been broken or is in the process of being broken. So it's going to attack Lamb with two claws. First one, I guess it probably misses with a 12. She's 15. And misses with the second one. So perhaps distracted by the radiance emanating from Weimar. It sort of claws at Lan, but she actually like in a in an eerie repeat of what Brock did. She actually like dodges around Brock, trying to keep him in between the harpy and herself. So it's sort of like its chaotic blows just ring off the armor of Weimar without causing any harm. Okay, then we've got two attacking Brock. So the first one, two claws. First one misses. You're 18 or something similar, aren't you? 18, yeah. Okay, so the second one gets close and you feel the very edge of its talon sort of scrape your skin, but it doesn't pierce it, causing you no damage. So the, the next one... Okay, so the other one, you manage to fend them all off Brock as they flail at you with their claws. Okay, that's the NPCs done, so we're on to Team Brock. Okay, um, Lan sees this um, harpy coming towards her, so she gives out a bit of a cheer that she can uh, engage this foe. And... Uh, yeah, has a swing with a two-handed sword. Moving. Oh, 17. And that's a very palpable strike on it. It lets out this ear-piercing shriek as her weapon strikes home for five damage, inflicting a grievous wound on this creature. And uh, Brock seeing this, this new harpy this one down here show its face and it seems to be the one that they all seem to be well trying to to defend up to now he's going to take a swing at that one instead as the dog attacks the other one uh, 
Oh, Brock's just given out a massive roar of rage of the whole situation. He's just well pissed off now. He's done a what's going on, and he yeah. can't swing his sword in this, any this, manner. This, this, these, these horrible, these horrendous, like blasphemous abominations. They're not only like attacking you physically. They're obviously using some foul magics to like influence your companions. A vast sort of like bellow of almost incoherent rage emerges from Brock and so blinded by that rage he, he drives the harpy back a bit but doesn't actually manage to damage it as he roars his hatred for this foul magic okay if that's everyone gone we will go on to the next round obviously people who are no longer charmed that's Malcolm and Weimar you'll be going on the PC's go now Quentin you'll still be going on the, the harpy's go so if one of you wants to roll I'm going to roll for the NPCs. It's a two for me. That's two for us. Okay, so we'll we'll do your guys' goes first, but obviously it's actually happening simultaneously. Okay, so Malcolm. Uh, I am going to spend my goal uh, burying Clement. Indeed. And my dog is going to try and bite the wings off this harpy. Twelve, is that enough? That is exactly what you need to hit it. <clears throat> so your dog tears this harpy to pieces. So that leaps on its back as it's trying to defend itself from Brock and just tears it into bloody ribbons. And obviously while that's going on, you pile up a makeshift can on top of the body of Clement. And as you've done that, you've sort of like you've mumbled a few words, you know, like the judge, etc., under your breath. The having successfully buried as much as you're able in this area, the the enchantment of the sword of respect like recedes. But as it's gone, also so is the enchantment of the harpies. And as you sort of snap out and you're like, oh, I know what this is. I've I've had this sword for a while. I know what's happened here. You sort of look around and. You sort of have kind of a hazy memory of like being under the influence of this creature. You look around and start to see the scene for once with your own eyes and in control of yourself again. Okay, so why more? Or should I say the sun sword? <laughs> yeah. Um, we haven't heard the the personality's name yet, have we? Yeah, but um, just to confirm, but well, maybe we'll explore that uh, sometime down the line. But if, if, um, if you want, if you want to give it a name now, feel free. Yeah, not right now, not right now. I just wanted to confirm that it didn't already exist. No. Um, and, so, and obviously, if you speak, we know how it talks. It talks like Brian Blessed. Yeah, yeah well, like, don't, don't feel like you have to do the Brian Blessed voice if you know. It's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, there is strength yet in these. Old bones face judgment, and I like <laughs> lean forward with a stomp and a and a strike towards the harpy that I was protecting just a moment ago. Indeed, and if anyone was in any doubt, given the golden eyes and the, <laughs> the light coming out, you've all heard this voice before. You've now got no doubt, like the swords in the driving seat, effectively. Oh, uh, I had the wrong thing. So, okay, here we go. Uh, sun sword. Fourteen, yeah, that's a hit. Yeah, three. Okay, yeah. So taking control of Weimar's body, the the sword forces him forward, strikes 
this harpy that shrieks in pain. There is a sizzling of burnt flesh as a sort of cauterized wound is stricken across its blasphemous body. Aha, the wicked burn before justice. Indeed they do. Okay, Brock. Uh, Lan's going to see uh, the sword having fun and she's going to try and join in. Uh, get rid of this foul creature no she misses once again um, and then Brock will swing once again at this other harpy oh he's well he's well up for it now <laughs> damn renewed vigour <laughs> yeah I'll say <laughs> <laughs> R rigorous <laughs> okay so that is that's like one point off like killing this harpy it's now like it's gone from like ah, I'm going to kill you to like crawling away like <laughs> as your base is still screaming in rage you're just like hammering down your weapon on it striking like ringing blow after blow on this foul creature okay so if everyone's gone on the PC side we're going to go on to the NPCs the Harpy, that is still charmed at yourself, Quentin, hisses out for you to destroy this barbarian. And obviously it's going to attack you as well. Brock. So, a couple of claws from the Harpy. That one's going to hit. So, two hit points of damage. Yep. From the first claw. And it misses you with the second one. So, on to Quentin. Well, I've only got my bow, so... Yep. Shoot Brock. Nope. Okay, so... Obviously, as I said, Brock, you know that like your companions have been like overcome by some deviant magic. You you can see Quentin sort of like struggling against it, but unable to resist the sort of clarion call of the harpies. He notches an arrow to his bow and fires it. However, you've seen him shoot before. He's a pretty crack sort of shot. However, when he fires it, it sort of misses you by like a good couple of inches. Maybe it's because he's struggling against himself. You don't know. But he's he's still obviously under the influence of this foul creature. Okay, so the one that is here, I'm going to do one attack against Weimar, one attack against Lan, because it's just sort of like flailing about. So against Weimar. So that's 18 for two points of damage. One against Lan. misses so as it's flailing around it's a scrapes Weimar doesn't manage to land a hit on Lan however as that's going on all of you are not engaged in combat particularly you Malcolm you hear a rustling from overhead and you see a, another harpy sort of shuffling its way forwards so around about here-ish sort of shuffling towards the edge of the ledge and as it shuffles forward, 
it begins to sink. So, as it begins to sing, Weimar, you're fine, because the sword isn't going to be charmed by it. Malcolm, you need to make a save versus spells, as does Lan and Brock. Quentin's still charmed anyway, so... Okay, so despite its singing, you are all absolutely fine. Let me just move it forward a little bit, see if it appears on the map. There we go. I've moved it forward a space just so you guys can see it. Okay, so we're on to the next turn. So does one of you guys want to roll initiative for the players? I'll roll for the Harpers. Ooh, not good. <clears throat> okay, so... NPCs going first. Okay, so Quentin, we'll go with you first. I'm out of arrows. I don't have a dagger, so I'm going to jump on this one and try and protect it from Brock. Okay, no problem. So it's going to attack Brock. Attack misses. Second attack. Also misses. Okay, so the one that's coming down here is going to dive on Malcolm and attack. So two, well, two claws, sorry. So first one. That's a 17, 18, 19. For no, three hit think. points of damage. Okay. 21 is what you need. Okay. So, second one. Also misses as this thing sort of bombs down at you and tries clawing at you, but it's unable to penetrate your defenses. Okay. The one here, I'm going to do a couple of attacks on a lamb. So, first one misses. Second one. second one misses unless she's got 14. Uh, she's 15. 15 okay. So it just sort of scrapes her furs, but doesn't actually manage to cause her any great harm. Okay, so it's on to the players. Malcolm. Um, so... Uh... Angry at the death of Clement and my part in it, I am going to grab this nearest harpy and try and rip its wings off in a uh, a fit of anger. Okay. We'll do it. going full Kratos, Rob. Absolutely. Wait uh, until we find a Cyclops. <laughs> it gets pretty bad. <laughs> uh, right. So... Uh, okay, so I don't actually know how much damage I'll do with my hands, but I, I just basically just keep wailing on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll just treat it as a normal attack. It's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
So that'd be uh, six points of damage. Okay, so since you've effectively like halved its hit points, what I'm going to say is as you grab it, sort of like wailing in with your weapon as well, you do actually manage to tear off one of its wings, sort of falls to the <laughs> ground, sort of like spasmodically like flexing for a bit, a bit of blood like sprays outside of it. it. Again, it howls and screeches in this strange avian manner. Okay, why more? Uh, can I have, sorry, just have Dog oh, yeah, jump on this one here beside Weimar as well? Yeah, no problems. Let's see if that works. Uh, 18 for one point of damage, two points of damage. Okay, so it has one hit point left. The dog just comes barreling in between Lan and Weimar, and this like, little like, puggish sort of dog like just launches itself into the side of this creature. It's like clamped on with its mouth that the creature's trying to shake it off and it's like yeah. hanging onto it. You can see like blood sort of being sprayed around as it's flailing around. You see its struggles are getting weaker and less coordinated. It's sort of like slowly like falling to the floor as it's trying to get this like mad dog off it. Yep. Let's see if we can help the dog. Uh, here we go. I think that's probably a hit. Yeah. 17 for three. So yeah, uh, I because it's the dog is is clamped on. Uh, I'll just like shield bash the the harpy as as hard as I physically can to disorient it, and then I, I just want to say that the dog probably takes care of the rest, like going down, and then you know with the with the clamp at the throat, and the harpy is down for the count. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Now, obviously, with that harpy gone, the sort of enchantment over Weimar fades, and the sword will relinquish control over Weimar's body. However, Weimar is unaware of what has occurred since the sword took control. Instead, you've been having a sort of a strange, almost like dream-like experience, where you saw these numerous robed figures. It was like a replay of the of the scene where you saw the figures pulling at the central robed figure and it sort of burst apart. However, this time as they move forward, you can see them a bit more clearly, almost as though it's less a dream and more a sort of hazy, distant memory. And as they step forward, you see that the sort of figures in this circle surrounding the center figure, they resemble the, the depictions you have seen in the ancient Valconan temples of the ancient Valconan pantheon, the judge, mm. the the shining one, etc. They move forward towards what at first you think is just another cloaked figure, but as you sort of your viewpoint seems to like circle round, you see that this figure it has like a a face on the front of it, a serene looking face. Then on the back of its head, sort of Janus style, there is mm. like another face. However, the first one appears like serene and almost beatific, whereas the one on the back looks like angry and has like a dark countenance about it. And it also has like two arms on the front, two arms on the back. As they move forward, the, the figure in the center holds out its arms as though it's sort of welcoming these figures as they crowd in. Then too late, it realizes what's happening. And these figures just start, these this old Valconan pantheon, they start tearing at this central figure 
sort of like pulling at its robes almost like pulling it apart like limb from limb although you don't see any blood you see like light streaming out as its limbs are pulled apart the light grows so bright as they pull it apart that briefly you can't see it all and as it fades from your after image you see where the figure was standing three sort of shards of metal lying on the ground where the central figure was one golden one ebony and one green and then so like your vision clears and you're sort of like stood over this dead harpy with a dog still like, like tearing at its body and like, Lance will look whoa. at you and it's, it's like <laughs> Lance like basically as you it comes back the first thing you hear is like sound and you're like a, a female voice going why am I why am I? And then it's just sort of like shake your head and you see the dog, you sort of look up and you see Lan sort of like warily like holding her sword, sort of like but like holding out the hand towards you and he's like, Why am I? Are you okay? I'm here. I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> and you see she, she, she was like holding her sword of like as though she was like getting ready to like whoop your ass if you like weren't. But then when she like sees mm-hmm. it, it's you and you're now seem to be she like lowers the sword down. She like gives like her brief sort of of like relief and you see her sort of like looking around obviously you could still see there's one heart there's a couple of harpies still going and she's like scanning for her next target now she knows that you're all right okay so that's why i done who's next uh well seeing the lands yeah sussed out why okay she's gonna run over and aid malcolm in trying to take down this this newly appearing newly appeared harpy Oh, uh, sixteen for two damage. Well, that'll do it. She wades in with a sword, scoring a shallow. As this harpy's flailing around, one of its wings torn off. Lan strides across the intervening space and delivers a vicious slice with her mighty sword. Um. So, what's the situation with Brock here? Can I get this harpy, or is Quentin going to be in the way, or? Yeah, basically, at the minute, if you try and like attack the attack the harpy and you miss, you're gonna hit Quentin. And if you when you're attacking the harpy, you'll be at a minus two penalty because he's like all over that chisel. So can I just knock him out of the way then, as best as possible? Without try if you can make a strength roll. I'll try that first. Okay, Quentin, you can also make a strength roll. So you need to succeed at yours, Brock, and have Quentin fail in his because he's trying to hang on. That's fair enough. Okay, yeah. So, not wanting to injure your companion, you stride across the intervening ground, Brock, and you sort of throw Quentin off. He lands at the the base of the statue. Seem like unharmed because you've just like thrown him. You haven't like tried to like mash him into the statue or anything. But yeah, that that will effectively be your go because you're about to like stride across and grab him and that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, Quentin, since you have struck the statue, although it's not caused you any hit point damage, you can re- take another save versus spells to see whether like the shock of hitting the statue like shakes you out of it. Yep. Yep. So. Your sort of head, like the back of your head, strikes this statue. It doesn't cause you any actual damage, but like there's a ringing in your ears, and the sort of like the sharp pain of the sensation sort of pierces through the enchantment, and you feel as though you've been sort of like awaking out of a deep sleep, and everything that's just happened is like hazy and indistinct. 
but as you you sort of like remember this singing and wandering towards this this building and then you vaguely remember sort of trying to attack someone and you're not sure what happened and that you've got to protect someone but as you look around your sort of blurred vision clearing you can see the you can see the scene around you and obviously effectively now if you want you can act in the um you'll be able to act normally from now on in the player's turn in the next turn okay so we've just got this these couple of harpies they've already gone this round because they went first so it's on to initiative again okay so it's players first um so i want to pick up the harpy's wing and use the wing to batter it nice i like your style uh, okay we'll say that's going to be like d6 damage cool okay uh, so that's 15 for two points of damage okay that is definitely a hit so yeah you start battering this harpy with its own sort of severed wing you know hitting it with a wet end and it sort of like staggers backwards, a, a look of like half fear, half disbelief on its face as you're sort of just like beating it with its own severed wing. And it's state, you see, there's like half of its face is caved in, there's like blood pooling around its feathers are just sort of like torn out in clumps. And it's slowly trying to sort of like stagger back, just like flailing with its claws. And you're pretty sure it's probably not long for this world. Okay, so. Have you got anything you want to do with your dog? Uh, no, I think he's fine. I just... Okay, so, Quentin, you're sort of in control of yourself again. What do you want to do? Well, my silver dagger's around here somewhere because the harpy it went into fell not far from here. Indeed, uh, it was it was literally, like, sort of here-ish. So I'm going to say, if you want, you can just scoop up your silver dagger. That's not a problem. Yeah, so I'll scoop up my silver deck. Now, I assume the harpy doesn't know that the spell's broken. You might assume that. You don't know for definite, but... Well, if it does assume it, then I can use my backstab ability. Well, like I say, you, you don't know for sure, so you can attempt to use your backstab ability. You'll only really yeah. find out when you try it. Okay, well, I'll... Okay, that is a hit, and it is indeed unaware the enchantment is broken. So it's two points of damage because it's double. Okay, not a problem. And it only has one hit point of damage left. So as you sort of move up behind it, trying to sort of feign that you're going to protect it, describe how Quentin sort of delivers the, the killing blow to this creature. As I'm moving from the pillar forwards, I'll just flick the knife out of my hand straight up into its throat. Indeed. So, as it's sort of concentrating on you, Brock, which is perhaps why it was unaware of the enchantment to Brock and Quentin, as it's sort of like hissing at you and it's trying to come forward, you see sort of darting in from the side comes like Quentin, and he just like 
under its chin, up through its jaw, and no doubt into the bottom of its brain. This you see this flash of as it opens its mouth to like scream. You see this like flash of silver from inside its mouth as the the dagger goes straight up. It sort of like shakes for a bit as the tip of the knife grazes its brain, and then it collapses to the floor. Quentin pulling out this silver dagger in a fluid motion. It is dead. Okay, Brock and Lan. Well, Lan will try and finish off this foul creature. Malcolm's beating. She misses. Uh, and Brock seeing that she's missed is going to run in over and try and put it, out, put it out of its misery with any luck. Eight damage. Yeah, describe how you finish it. Um, so it's obviously cow, well, almost cowering, you know, as you'd imagine, from Malcolm beating at it. Um, he's just going to come in, obviously, had more than enough of this, and he's just going to put it out of its misery. He's, he's just going to just put, push a sword straight through its head into the wall, so it's just pinned to the wall. And that's what happens. You push your sword in, sort of holding it against the wall. It sort of shakes for a little bit, and then as you pull your sword out, a few loose chips of stone crumble down, and it slides down the wall, leaving a red trail it's sort of jerked spasmodically for a few moments and then lies still. Uh, and with that, Brock's going to look round this assessment of this situation. He's going to leave the sword where he is and he's going to walk back out the front door, just sort of shaking with rage and just saying, bloody magic! And he's just going to storm out to chill out. That's absolutely fine. Obviously, we're effectively not in combat rounds anymore. I just leave guys. him at the front door. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, mate. So, yeah, Brock's like, yeah, bloody magic. And he sort of, obviously, those of you who were in the meeting at um, the tower with him, Staffstone Tower, you've sort of seen him storm out before because you know he hates that magic. And he's sort of like, he's basically stormed over to the front and he's just sort of stood there, like, trying to, like, compose himself, like, shaking with rage and furious anger. Obviously, you look around, like, the body of Clement is lying there under this makeshift can. The body of Roger is also lying there, like, its throat torn open by the wicked talons of these creatures. What do you do? I, there's a room of gold, so... I'm going to go back to that room that had the treasure in it. Okay, no problems. Obviously, you're not in combat rounds, so just feel free to, like, move yourself... Yep, you move in. As you do, you see that it's not gold. However, it is what appears to be amongst the like bits of colour and other crap. It's not really worth anything. And actual crap. But you basically see there's a pile of what looks to be roughly like 500 copper pieces. Also like, but also like encrusted with like harpy guano and... So like bits of blood and flesh from previous meals, like maybe they were nesting on it, but it is still a pile of five hundred copper coins. I'm sure I could find a rag to stick it in. Oh yeah, there's like like say you effectively there's like old like bedclothes and bits of cloth. It's slightly decayed, but you'd be able to like rip off a piece suitable for your purposes. You make it into a like little makeshift like hobo bag, scoop up the scoop up the five hundred copper pieces. You can add that to your character. You've got 500 copper pieces. 
Well, I'll give it the group, of course. It's, it's copper. It's not important. <laughs> okay, so Quentin comes walking back out of the, the guano room. He's carrying this like, makeshift bag over his shoulder. And as he sort of gets level with you guys, he holds it open. And you see all these like slightly grimy and horrible looking like copper pieces in there. So you can add that to the party funds at 500 copper pieces. And what I'm going to suggest, guys, if it's all right, I'm going to suggest we have a 10 minute break now for people to use the facilities before we sort of push on, give you time to think about what you want to do as well. We'll come back in 10 minutes and we'll crack on. Okay, back cool. in 10. I say I'm going to have to up my monster game after this encounter. Uh, well, it could have gone. <laughs> it could have gone badly wrong. That's it's, it, yeah. It started pretty badly. It, it's like a lot of these creatures, you know, like, like with the, the charm ability. It's like if you get, like most of you would have failed that, that, that could have been a very different matter. Hmm. It's um thing for me is always trying to sort of play like it's the first time you've ever met these creatures. You know, that's, a, yeah. that's a bit of a challenge. Um, yeah, especially with the ones where they're like they're sort of popular, like mythological creatures, you know. Hmm. So it's like um. You know, you might play with a player that says, oh, yeah, I don't know it, but the first thing I'm going to try is exactly what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, what should I try? Mm, I'll try fire. All right. That's, that's exactly what you need. It, it is difficult, especially when you've been like, playing mm. D&D for a while, because it's like, yeah, yeah. if you like see a creature like made of wood, like even if you know, like if you don't know it, yeah, it's, it's reasonable to go like, oh, I'm going I'm to attack it with fire. It's made of wood. Yeah, but if you've never come up against a troll or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To be fair, fire would work against most things, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the thing with fire. I mean, it's a rare creature that's like immune to fire. It's like the yeah. old it's like the old joking in like oh, I'd kill a vampire, I will like chop its head off and burn the body. It's like that works with everything. Hmm. It's it's not just vampires. <laughs> Well, I do remember when I was chatting to Johannes the other day, and I was when we were like doing the uh, the sort of feedback chat, and he was like, oh, "I think the main thing I've learned is like every time we like come up against vampires, we get our asses handed to us." Like Simon, they're they're fairly dangerous on their own, but that like ability to just be like, "Oh, Shazam!" There's now like a load of giant wolves as well. Oh yeah, it's got to be the worst thing. Yeah, almost. Law of anyway. averages: the more like dice you're rolling to make attacks, the more likely you are to succeed and get the damage. Yeah, something's gonna happen.
I don't know, I was slightly like dreading this like combat encounter because I was like, oh, what if just like all the player characters like fail their saves against like the well, yeah, someone's some saves are not that great. Some are still a sort of fifty-fifty if if that. It's worse than that, man. a lot of them. Yeah. Well, the saves are obviously based purely on your class and level, so. Yeah, yeah. Even as you're going up levels, they're still not. Still quite low. Okay, so. We'll start back in then. So, you guys have finished off these these strange creatures. You're sort of looking around, surveying the scenes. Brock's like trying to get himself together. Like, Swallow is like a hatred of this foul magic. What do you guys want to do? I'm going to continue searching the area for loot, okay. weapons. That's not a problem, so feel free to move yourself to where you want to search. We heard any more of the voice? You haven't, no. Okay, so Quentin, you head over to the, the, the horse with the sort of mashed up supply box next to it, and inside the supply box is roughly 100 copper pieces. Add it to the bag. Okay. Obviously, you also know that there's the little piles of like silver pieces in, around the feet of the, the statue, and there's this weird sort of like metal tube hanging from around its neck. I'll get to that in a minute. What's on this body here? Okay. So th there's nothing extra on the horse, either the body next to it. It appears to be dressed as of the manner of like a priest, you know, so like Hessian robes, etc. Doesn't appear to have been equipped for like a protracted combat, not surprisingly, it's a priest. Appears to be holding like a short sword that uh, doesn't look like it's got any blood on it. It looks as though this person was basically torn to the ground before they even managed to strike a blow. Perhaps as one of these creatures tried to do with Brock, it just sort of like swooped down on him. You can see he's got like deep scratch marks and like lethal sort of wounds clawed into his back so presumably like leapt on his back and like finished him before he could even strike a blow he doesn't pay to have any okay. items of particular interest on him over here okay appears to be a a small room like maybe it was once a a supply room or something like that there's there's a few odd broken bits of wood. It looks like there weren't shelves in here, but they've been sort of like shattered. There's feathers and dung all around the place. Like the harpies have just sort of like torn things to pieces. There's there's nothing that really strikes your attention in here. Okay, I'm going to drag this body next to Roger. Okay. And I'm going to go and get this other body over here. Okay. Drag that over to Roger. Not a problem. Again, it seems to be a very similarly attired priest. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just getting a pie ready. Yep. And then I'm going to go over here. What's up? These are these. Is this a wall or stairs? It's stairs. Okay, so go up. Okay. Oh, another body. <laughs> Indeed, this one looks like, judging by a sort of state of it, it looks like this priest like tried to like flee. Perhaps he was looking to take shelter in this room, but again got torn down to the ground. As you head in here, it looks as though it might once have been like some sort of eating area. There's like smashed remnants of tables and chairs. There's a few mouldy bits of food and sort of like there's like miscellaneous stains on the floor where perhaps something was spilt. There's like a few like unhealthy looking sort of leprous looking toadstools and mosses sprouting from like the sort of spoiled food. And there's a few dead animals sort of like lying around that have like claw marks in them. You have a quick look at them. Maybe they were attracted by the food, and it, but it looks like they've been killed by the harpies. Like a few of them have this, so like their insides are splayed out on the floor. Okay. Grab the other priest, buddy. He's going in the pile. Okay, no problems. Another priest to the pile. Um, then we're going down here. Okay, so whilst Quentin's doing that, what are you guys up to? Obviously, like dragging those bodies and piling them up and doing that searching. Yeah, for a while. lands investigating where the voice was last heard, which was over body stones, I believe. That's correct. So now you're cl now lands closer up. It's very obvious to her that these sort of large stones have been like hastily piled into a gap in the wall as like some sort of like makeshift barrier. Um, she calls out. Then is anyone behind that? There's like a sort of very frightened male voice from inside. It says, uh, what, what, "What's happening? Have those creatures gone?" The creatures are all slain. You can come out. Which princess? Uh, and uh, how, how do I know you're not you're not being controlled by them? I, I've seen what they can do to to a person's mind. They they turn my brothers against each other. This could be a trick to deceive me. Their foul magic doesn't work on me. She seemed to resist it. Um, okay, make a charisma roll for Lan. That is unlikely. Okay, so... Okay, this frightened voice from inside says, uh, "No, no, no fear. I, I'm not. I'm not risking being c coming out there and being take, taken by surprise by their their mind adult servants." So uh, she just gets bored of this and just starts moving the rocks herself and starts going in. Okay, no problems. She starts moving the rocks out of the way. Guys, I found some stairs. <laughs> okay. uh, were they accessible? Like, yeah. Uh, or... Okay. Okay. So there's a level, at least one. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So as Lan removes the last of the rocks. This like wooden staff is like shoved out to like wards her face. There's this voice is like, get away! 
And this person inside like poses staff her. And she basically just sort of like pushes it aside with like no real effort with the hand as it just sort of flails out. She's like, no. And just like pushes it out of the way. And she, you can, as she sort of looks into the room, she can see this sort of like young man, like the typical sort of like Trappist monk, like haircut with like the bold spot on top, wearing like brown robes. He's He's got like, he's bit, there's like foulness all over his uh, his robes, like he might have slipped over, there's blood on his robe. He's got like, he's holding like this wooden staff, it's like shaking in his hands, he looks absolutely terrified. Yeah, I mean, Lan's had enough of this as well, so she says, don't anger me, and she just walks off and leaves him to come out when he's ready, and shows that, you know, she's not really interested in attacking him or anything. So. Yeah, move, move Lan to where she's like walking off to. And she'll just say to Malcolm as she walks past, there's one of those uh, worshippers in there. And just sort of walks past to go yeah. and see how Brock's doing. And you do indeed see this like young monk sort of like cautiously like peeping his head round the sides of like looking around. Like I say he looks absolutely terrified. So whilst um, Lan's been doing that, what's Weimar up to? Obviously you've heard Quentin Safan's upstairs. Um, what's this statue like? Okay, so, yeah, as I said, it appears to be a statue of a man wearing... At first, it just looks like monk's robes. It's been very well carved out of stone. He's holding, like, this stone arms bowl and his hand's holding it out. However, as you look more closely at it, you can see that like, the level of, like, carving is absolutely superb. And as you're looking at it, you can actually see there's, like, a... Although it's not shown directly, there's like a, a suggestion of like armour beneath the sort of flowing robes. And obviously like you've worn like robes over your armour, so you know like the sort of outline of it tends to stick out. And the sculptor's like taking great care to sort of like convey the fact there might be armour underneath these uh, these robes. Is there anything in the bowl? There's nothing in the bowl, however, you can see there's a number of like little piles of like silver pieces around the feet of the statue. And there's this like metal cylinder with like holes in it on a leather thong that's hung around its neck. I guess I'll I'll go. Do I have a silver piece on my own? But yeah, I'm I'm uh, gonna fiddle around with the statue for a bit, and uh, then I, I think I'll probably just go and. Stand guard at the the uh, stairs that we found now because we don't know what's down there. So okay, my problems. I'll, I'll find a silver piece, put it in the bowl, and move over to the stairs. Okay, not a problem. So feel free to move yourself there. Yeah, Malcolm, what are you up to? Um. Uh, what do I want to do? That's a question. The tube, uh, can you describe the tube around the neck? Is it metal, you said? It, indeed it is. It is a, it's probably about a, a foot or so long. It's a, it's a one foot long sort of hollow metal tube. It appears to have like a number of very deliberately sort of bored holes, sort of like up and down the length of it. Not in any, it's not like a language or anything. It's a, it almost looks like some sort of like wind chime or something similar to that. Okay. 
And what uh, then? What type of metal is it? Does it look like a common metal or a? It looks like it's made of iron. Okay. Okay. Huh. Interesting. And then I guess I will. Uh, and now that a few minutes have passed, does the priest look a little bit less scared, or is he? He's, he's, he looks a little bit less scared, but he's obviously still sort of quite wary. He's sort of like sneaking out of like the room that presumably he'd like barricaded himself in when all of his brothers started like turning on each other and started murdering each other or being torn down by harpies. Okay. Um, cool. So then I guess we'll just head over to uh, the stairs as well. Okay. As you're doing that, the the monk sees the sort of pile that Quentin's made of his uh, his dead brothers, and he he sort of like rushes over to them, and he's like, "Oh, my 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 poor brothers, may he, may may you rest in the arms of the one true God." And he starts sort of like saying a prayer, falls to his knees, and starts like saying a prayer over them. What's Brock doing? As he sort of obviously, you will see this priest doing this as you're sort of stood at the gate. Um, yeah, he's he's back in the world of magic, and he's uh he's he's coming back in now. Um, yeah, yeah, he'll he'll sort of come face to face with this guy, I guess, as he walks back in. Um, it says, "What are you doing in this place? You know, this place of disrepair. Why stay here? What what is your purpose here?" He obviously, given like the state of you, at first he sort of starts a little, and he looks, uh, he looks very worried. But when you're just like asking him a question, he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh well, you know, if you were mind controlled, you wouldn't be just like asking him a question." So he's, he sort of looks at you and he says, uh, "Oh, uh, my, f- forgive me. Uh, my name is, uh, my name is Brother Dunwall. Uh, my, myself and my brothers here, uh, we, we, we would, t- we'd just taken our vows, and uh, we wanted to make a pilgrimage to." one of the old holy sites uh, many many years ago this used to be the uh, this this abbey used to be the site of the um the, the last battle of uh, St. Cluid the the effulgent and uh, we we wanted to pay our respects here although it has it has long been abandoned by the by the church uh, obviously we we knew there may be some dangers but we didn't know these these creatures had infested it uh, when we first made our way in first I, I don't know what happened everything went Everything seemed to go out of control so quickly. First, we were trying to defend ourselves. Then my my brothers started attacking each other. Uh, a, f- a couple of us tried to run. I saw one of my one of my fellows as he as he climbed a stone flight of stairs, and he sort of gestures at one of the bodies. I saw him torn down by one of these creatures. Uh, it's only by the grace of the of the one true God I was able to 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 make it to that uh, abandoned chamber and uh, barricading myself in. Uh, I've heard the most hideous sounds. I, I, I've I didn't dare leave. Uh, I've been calling for help t- till I I was hoarse. Well, these creatures won't won't uh, cause you any more trouble, but there may be more more foul magic around these lands. Um, he says, "Oh well, it's the thank the one true God that you and your companions came along." I I I had some small provisions on me since to make the journey, but. Uh, I don't know how it would have lasted in that 
well, it, I think it must be the older, the old Abbey bathhouse from the, the the old dented, ruined tin bathtubs that are in there. But there's a little more than mould and slime in there now. Mm. Like I said, this place has been abandoned for quite some time. The the the, the church doesn't even officially recognise it as a shrine or an abbey anymore. Okay. Um, he's also going to point at that thing around the neck of the the statue. He says, "What's what's that strange?" Strange contraption. He says, uh, no, no uh, I, I honestly can't tell you, but I, I noticed it myself. The, in fact, the only reason I was, I was ahead of my brothers and was able to, was able to run to the, the bathhouse was that I was, I was looking at that very item myself while they were, they were checking the supplies on our, on our mule and uh, they were preparing to unload our, uh, our offerings. Uh, I was investigating. It seems it seems to be some sort of chime, although I, I, I don't recognise the, I, I don't recognise the item in particular. Um, I I was about to uh, examine it more thoroughly when those creatures attacked us, and uh, I I entirely forgot about it in my in my panic to get away from them as my my brothers started falling on each other, and his face goes pale as he obviously recalls this like traumatic experience. Hmm. Well, maybe you could help me. Uh understand what its purpose is he says a um, gesture for him to have another look he says um yes sir of course and uh, he he starts having a look at it and he says uh he's like uh, well, well yes it's definitely some sort of chime these these um these holes are to allow the to allow the note to ring out and one thing i do find curious i mean based on the the slight decay of the the metal thonging that's holding it on there it's obviously been here for quite some time but the the, the iron the, the metal that it's made out of seems to be remarkably free or of rust or corrosion but but as for anything further i i honestly don't know and he's he's sort of like he actually reaches up and he like takes it from around the neck and you can see sort of like he's like holding it, like testing the weight of it in his hand, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's something you would blow or something to make the sound come out. He says, "Well, normally with a charm like this, you would you would either strike it against something, or you would use a you would use a an instrument to to strike the chime to to send the note out. Uh, we we do sometimes use them in ceremonies, although I." I don't recognise this particular make. Normally, the chimes used by the church, they would have a prayer or something similar inscribed on them, whereas this has this has no such adornment. Hmm. Um, well, I think my, my friends are looking to explore this place further. Would you like to join us? As you'll probably be safer. Um... Yes, I suppose. Well, it's the same age. Just like taps the this chime against the statue, and this single, long, sort of clear note rings out through the clearing. Can those of you within sixty feet—that's Lan, Brock, and Brother Dunwallow. Um, Brock and Lan, do you have any food on you? Uh. I don't know. Is it spread out amongst us? I assume we spread it amongst us, or I thought we had a like a pony 
so I'd say most. So most of it would be on the pony, but whether you'd have a nibble on you or not. I guess yeah, I, I mean, I'd imagine I'd have like a day's worth or you know bits for when we're exploring and stuff. Rather. Okay, than so I'll tell you what. Just, just to sort of like. Land's got some garlic, but just to like adjudicate it, can you roll um two d four one Brock one for you one for Lan? That's for Brock, and that's for Lan. That's Brock's first one. Okay. Okay, so can you deduct three sets of rations from the the party rations? As basically as this note rings out. Brock, Lan, and Brother Dunwallow are all filled with this overwhelming desire to just like eat anything edible that's within arm's reach. Now, Lan and Brock, they've got a bit of food on them, so they start chowing into that first. Brother Dunwallow, who doesn't have any food on him, he literally like runs towards where the mule is, like dropping the chime, and literally like sticks his face in the side of the the sort of carcass of this mule and just starts like eating like the flesh. You can see like blood sort of like dribbling out around his face. He's just like... And is it obvious that this has caused it or? Well, all, all I'm going to say is you weren't sort of like ravenously hungry beforehand. And then he went, mm. dung, and all three of you were like, ah, 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 ah. so right. I think when the effect wears off, it'll be pretty obvious. But for like, normally it will be for the next D6 rounds, but we're not in combat. So effectively, you guys are just sort of consuming that. However, at the end of the round, you get to make a save versus spells to see if you can shake it off. So if you want to make a save for you and Lan. Okay, yeah. I should do that. Okay. Oh, just failed. And I'm going to make a, a save for Brother Dunwallow. He also fails, so he's carrying on eating the horse. Um, Brock, you sort of managed to come to your senses. Can you roll me a d4 for Lan, who's like still eating the rations? In fact, roll 2d4, because I'm going to say eventually you will snap her out of it. I'd say he'll try and... Yeah, we'll, we'll just do 2d4 rather than keep... Oh, blimey. Okay, so another seven like rations have been deducted uh, deduct from your total. As basically Lan's like tearing into the rations like she's starving. But Brock, how do you snap her out of it? She will snap her out of it eventually. I just give her a good slap across the face. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> and she sort of like steps back, and you see her sort of step forward, like raising her own fist as though she's like, "What are you doing? I'm gonna like lay you out for that." And then like, as she sort of like realizes like what she's been doing, and she like looks down, and there's just like crumbs and like bits of ration like all over her. She's like, "Oh my!" But by, by, by the tribal spirits, Brock. Is is a no end to the foul magic of this place? Yeah, I'm going to grab that thing and uh... yeah, you go and pick it up from where Brother Dunwallow dropped it. He's still got his head. He's literally like half his face is like inside the side of this horse now, and you just do like. Yeah, I'm going to try and break break him out of it as well. Okay, yeah, you, you pull him out. You like slap him, and at first he's like, "What's going?" On? And then like he looks down and he like oh, there's blood all down him. And he like sees what he's been doing, and he starts. To, he sort of leans away from you, and he starts to like noisily like vomit. It's just like the revulsion about what he's just done like overcomes him, and he's like, Whoa! 
And like, after a few minutes, he's like on his knees, like dry heaving, like there's nothing left. There's like vomit and horse blood and bits of flesh down his robes. I mean, I'm assuming the case is that I won't be able to sort of destroy this thing, but I'm going to try and, you know, see if it's crushable, literally. See if it's sturdy enough to withstand. What are you, what are you trying to crush it with? I'm just going to try and stomp on it. Okay. You stomp on the chime, and as you stomp on it, it goes, Dung! Make a save versus spells for you and Lon. Oh, that's terrible. I might want for Dunwaller. Call it both terrible. Yeah, brother Dunwaller's back in that horse again. He's literally just finished throwing up and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, what? Dung! Ah! And he's like back on this horse again. Right, now I'm going to say, Brock, roll me 1d6. If you get, if you get 1, 2 or 3, you and Lan have like eaten all the personal rations on you. If you have four, five, or six, you've still got some, and we're just carrying the duct numbers we did previously. Four. Okay, yeah, so roll a d4 for each of you. Did it damage it in any way, or did it withstand that? No, it didn't damage it at all. No, it's pretty magical. Okay, so... Bloody hell. So that's 12 more rations disappear. As like Brock and Lan literally fall to their knees and they're like shoving these rations into their face like almost too quickly to be able to swallow them. Mm. Again, you can make uh, another save. I like to think that there's because this probably takes some time, right? Like, because yeah, yeah. they're eating a lot. I, I like to think that there's a, there's a cut to, you know, the the stair posse, or is this like, wonder what they're doing. Okay, so after a while, you you snap out of it. I'm not going to do it any more rations. You snap Lan out of it, cause, you know, like a sturdy slap. I'll bring her out of it now. And she's like, oh, my God, this place is cursed. And you slap Brother Dunwallow. And again, after vomiting again, he's like, he's like, I've, I, 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 I think we should, we should leave that thing alone. It's obviously unholy. <laughs> and you see like his legs are like wobbling a bit he's obviously like pecked up everything he's eaten in the last couple of days and he's got a bit weaker than he is yeah I'm gonna just wrap it in some cloth and, and find somewhere to chuck that at a later date well th th there's the stream going past yeah well, I'll do that on the on the way out as we as we go yeah out. I, I won't bother sticking it on your carrot sheet we'll just say that yeah you you wrap it in cloth you bung it in the, the stream. That's fine. You've you've protected it so it won't ring again. It disappears into the water. Like I say, it's fast flowing. It like disappears off. That's absolutely yeah. fine. Okay, so stair posse. While all this is going on, what have you been up to? We've just been chilling out, <laughs> taking in the sights. You know, that's it. Just enjoying the nice castle. Yeah. yeah, and and probably just like chatting. Yeah, well, making jokes. Where's Brock? <laughs> <laughs> And at this point, Brock, if you want to move you and Lan into where the rest of the party is, you can do. Brother Dunwallow will sort of like shakily follow you because he's like, oh, at least from with these two and those creatures turn up again, I might be all right. 
I shall retrieve my sword from the wall and, uh, yeah, I shall head down there. Where are they? Head out. Okay, yeah, so l let me describe the scene for the rest of you guys. As, uh, as Brock and Lan come sort of walking up, I suppose probably looking a little bit sheepish or as sheepish as an ice walker can. You can see, like, obviously, you know, you guys have got, like, hard tack and biscuits and stuff like that. They're literally, like, covered in, like, crumbs and, like, bits of, like, half-chewed rations. And behind them is this poor, bedraggled, like, young monk who looks equally part sickened and terrified. There's, like, bits of meat and blood all over his face and down his vestments. There's vomit just staining his his robes. And you can see, like, he's, he's sort of like, you know, you get that walk when you're, like, just about to collapse, but you're somehow managing to stay up. He's, like, doing that, and he's, like, leaning on his staff quite heavily. His hands, like, the knuckles are, like, white in his hands, and he's, like, his hands are shaking a little bit as he's, like, holding himself up with the staff. You're pretty sure if you, like, keep the staff away now, he'd just collapse on the floor. After we weren't aware of. Yeah, so Brock, as you approach, Quentin's, like, party we weren't aware of. I just say, no, don't ask. And I'll just point to the stairs. He's just, he's, uh, he's had enough of today. He's uh, shaking his head. Let's move on. And like, just, just behind them, although I'm not talking to you, more talking to himself, you can hear the sort of like, almost like shell-shocked like monk. He's just like, I can't believe I had that. And every time he like thinks about it, he's like doing that sort of like, Oh, I'm about to throw up, and he's like keeping it down. Like, oh, oh. Okay, so Brock points at the stairs, and he's like, "Let's just move on." What do you guys want to do? Okay, um, let's move on then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start heading down. Okay, no problems. So I'm just going to go on to the the map. Just give me a second to put your guys' tokens on there and I'll then bring you guys over to the map. It leads into a narrow corridor, so I've got to like fit you all into the into the corridor. And then we need we need Dunwallow there as well because he's coming down. I'll put him at the back. Not seen this one for some time. Okay, let's take you guys onto the map then. <laughs> Yeah, I can make you a double, it's not a problem. Okay. Have tea, please. So, you guys head down this stone flight of stairs, your footsteps echoing eerily on the slightly too loud music that's playing in the background. You head into a, a narrow stone corridor that appears to sort of go into like a T-junction, there's like a chamber ahead, Quentin, you're nearest to that, looking into it, you can see it opens up into a larger stone chamber, you can see a 
what appears to be a long dead body lying on the floor in there. Malcolm, to the corridor to the north, you can see what appears to be a small stone room with some like rotting wooden crates in it. And then Lan and Brock to the south, you can see what appears to be a sort of curved stone chamber from your sort of narrow viewpoint at the minute. You can see opposite the the corridor is the remnants of a half rotted wooden chair. Um, you think you can just see the corner of a table and maybe maybe a bookcase or a shelf, you're not sure. And there appears to be a, a skeleton lying on its side, one of its hands sort of reaching out as though it's reaching for the shelf or the bookcase. Which room first? Um, uh, any noises? Other than what we make. It appears to be eerily silent. Any smells? There's a sort of dry, musty sort of smell hanging in the air. Well, you notice that this area appears to be absent to the, the sort of filth of the harpies that besmeared the upper reaches of the abbey as though they, they didn't come down here. Um, I will uh, head north into the small room and see what's going on. Okay, no problems. So you head into this small room. You can see in there there are a couple of crates, one large, one slightly smaller, and there is like a clay urn in the so sat in one corner to the to the left of you. It looks as though it might once have been like a small storage room. You can actually see. The evidence that there was once a door leaning in here, but it's obviously like rotted away and long since decayed. Okay. And are the chests in good nick or are they just kind of all rotten? They're just sort of rotten and falling to pieces. Okay. The, the urn appears to have fared slightly better, but because it's made of ceramics, but um, it, it's obviously been here for some time. Okay. So I'll just call back down. Uh, nothing to the north. Okay, so Quentin, you're moving into the chamber up ahead. Obviously, the only light down here is what you guys bring with you. So, Quentin, have you got like a torch or anything? Yes, I've got a torch. Okay. There we go. Uh, I'm also going to look for traps, etc., doors. Okay, yeah, make your uh, make your detect traps wrong. Okay, so what I'm going to say, you don't find any traps in here. However, what I'm going to say is you've sort of, obviously you've explored the room a bit while you were doing that. So yep. what you see in this room is sort of to the north of you, sort of here, yeah, here, yep. and here, mm -hmm. are three sort of curved alcoves, each of which appears to have a... A coffin with a, a cross on the top of it, like a decaying wooden coffin. The the central chamber to the north, the coffin has been like broken open, and there's a skeleton wearing some sort of a chain mail, sort of like half hanging out 
of the coffin. There are three matching alcoves to the south as well. The, the central one and the one on the eastern side. Again, both have coffins in there. The one to the western side has a, a coffin that's again broken open. You can see a skeleton in it. And there's like a smattering of like silver coins that are like scattered around the coffin. As though they were once inside it, but they've been like disturbed. Okay, so... Uh... I will inspect this armor-clad skeleton. Okay, I'm just going to see if I can tweak your uh, your thing so it actually shows. Actually, actually, can you see like a decent amount with your? Yeah, yeah, I can see plenty. That's that's cool. Okay. So yeah, so you look at this uh, skeleton, and you can see it's wearing a gleaming, like as in like. It looks like it has just been made and polished and oiled. Set of chainmail. Okay. Um, anything strange about the way it's kind of hanging out of the coffin? It looks as though at some point, like the lid has been taken off, and that's disturbed the sort of skeleton inside. It doesn't look as though it's like tried to climb out or anything like that. That's good. Uh. Yeah, so I know what's in there. Okay, so while you're doing that, I'm going to go on and ask some of the others what they're doing. Um, Brock, what are you up to? Um, I was going to head down with Len to this uh, this one here. Oh. I'm assuming Malcolm was going in that direction anyway, so okay. yeah, it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm going to... Like, I'll move the dog and let Brother Dunwallow up as well because they'll be like trying to stick close to you guys, obviously. Yep. Okay, so why are you've uh, you've gone into the room with Quentin? Yeah, I'm sort of like following in his footsteps. Um, obviously, like he he knows what he's doing, and um, I'm I'm sort of standing back and, and following his light source. Yep. You can see there's a there's a couple of sort of skeletons lying on the main floor here. They're wearing sort of the faded remnants of what might have once been clerical robes. You know, the Hessian sort of monk robes, but they've been they've decayed quite badly. Okay. So those of you in the the small room with Malcolm and uh, Brock, as you head in there, it indeed it seems to be like the remnants of some sort of library or maybe a study. There are the there is a sort of decayed remnants of a desk with like a set of drawers in it. Um, there's like a, a, a board on it that would have been used for writing on. There's also a a, a bookcase against the, the sort of west wall. There's a number of books on it, some of which are badly decayed, others which look in slightly better condition, although they're, they're all They've all taken some wear and tear over the years. They've obviously been here for quite some time. Do they have titles on the sort of spines of the books or anything that stands out? Okay. So you you have a, a look at the the books on the shelf and you find you see a book that says 
in a sort of neatly calligraphied font. It says, The Gathered Triumphs of the Mage, A Dangerous Mind. Is that the only one that sort of stands out of any sort of note? Or... You, you look across, there's another one that says, The Transcripts of Priests, published in the interests of all. And then you find another one that says, The Spider King. Spider King? I mean, I'll point them out to Malcolm. Do you think any of these books are any use to our quest? Well, we have seen a giant spider, so definitely let's have a look at the Spider King. Okay, yeah, you open the book, the Spider King. A lot of it's badly damaged, but from what you can make out, it appears to be a a fictional tale of an adventurer delving into the underworld in search of his lost love, where he faced a demon of the underworld that took the form of a giant spider, and he he was forced to defeat it to free the spirit of his lost love. You can't unfortunately see how it ends because the book's like torn, stained, and a lot of it's illegible. But you can sort of like read enough to know that it appears to be like a fictional sort of like adventure story, basically. Okay, and then the first one, the mage. What what's it about? Yeah, this one seems to be a sim. It's not really like a sort of a story. It appears to be like a series of sort of cautionary, like small parables about the dangers of misusing power and the dangers of seeking power. You know, sort of like a Grimm's Tale sort of style, where it's like little sort of like fairy tales, but they're always cautioning you, like, oh, you know, you should appreciate what you've got. Don't be like striving to get unholy powers because you'll come a cropper in the end. You should be happy with what you've got. Live a simple life and thank God for what you've got. Okay. Um, and you said this uh, body was reaching for the bookshelf? Yeah, like it's lying on its side and one of its sort of skeletal hands appears to be like its arms is outstretched, reaching towards the, the bookshelf. Okay, um, and I guess is there any any way of guessing or trying to predict which of the books it was reaching for? Not really, because like I say, it's just bones, so it would have like fallen to the ground. Okay. Um... Hmm. Can I have a look at the desk and the board? You most certainly can. You start looking at the the desk and the board, at which point can I actually make me a save versus spells? Uh, that would be a no. Okay, so as you start looking at the the desk, this hazy sort of translucent outline of a like you can partly see through it this gauzy sort of bluey purple outline of this man wearing monk's robes like a sort of bold head with like a little island of hair sort of appears and then it seems to like superimpose itself and disappear into Malcolm at which point he he sort of Malcolm like opens up the drawer of the the desk he reaches inside, there's like a click, and you see him lift up the bottom, like a false bottom on the drawer. He looks inside, puts it back down, so pushes the drawer shut. There's like a click of some sort of mechanism as it locks, presumably. He then turns round, and he looks straight past you guys as if he's looking at someone you can't see. And he's like, yes, and it's all in Malcolm's voice, but there's like a weird sort of overlay, like another voice is... Sort of speaking at the same time and he says 
yes, yes, I, I, I know they're on their way. It's, I've, I, I've hidden the writings. There's no way they're gonna, they're gonna let us get out of here. Now that we know the truth, it's, it's all a lie. I tell you, it's all a lie. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll take the passage to the secret caverns. We'll, we'll get out of here. And he, he start, Malcolm starts moving towards the, the bookcase. You see, like he runs his hands along the books, starts reaching for one in particular. Then he sort of like turns around as though he's heard something, looks towards the the empty doorway, and he's like, "No, stay back, stay back! You don't understand!" And then he lets out this piercing shriek, and his body sort of like shakes as like someone was plunging a sword into his chest. And as that happens, this blue mist seems to extrude itself out of him, and for a few moments, it takes the form of this. This sort of priest you can now see with these wounds in his chest. And as he sort of carries on screaming silently, it fades away. And you have seen, you've witnessed all of that, Malcolm, but you weren't able to control yourself. But now, once again, you find yourself in control of your own body. Okay. Um, so, can I... Did I did I notice enough to be able to unlock whatever mechanism he locked? Yeah, there's basically like a hidden catch for like a false bottom. So yeah, okay. you obviously saw exactly what he did and you felt what he was doing with your hands, so you just repeat, basically. Okay. And is there anything in it when I open it? Okay, yeah, you, you pop out the, the fake bottom and inside you can see what appears to be a small leather pouch containing 50 copper pieces. And there is also a collection of what appear to be like hastily written notes bound together with leather, but it appears to be in some sort of like cipher or a code. Okay. So I will store that in my pack because uh, I think I know Quinton can read uh, many languages and I will reach for the book that he seemed to be reaching for when he met his end. Okay, not a problem. You you reach out for the book that he was reaching for, and as your hand closes on it, you're like, "This is like a solid piece. It's not actually like a book. There's no like, there's no like give to it. Like you would get on the cover of a book, but it's like a solid sort of like piece of wood that's been like painted to look like a book. And as you pull it forward, there is like a loud click and a grinding of rusting metal." And the bookcase slides to one side, revealing what appears to be a sort of natural stone tunnel behind the bookcase. Okay. Uh, uh, so I'll turn to Brock and say, um, maybe we should get the others before we go into the tunnel. At this point, Brock, can you make me a save versus spells, please? Uh, he passed. Okay, so again, this hazy blue sort of ghostly figure appears, and this time it settles on Brock. However, you sort of like shrug it off Brock. And instead of like taking over you and you hearing the verbal side of it, it repeats exactly what happened previously when it sort of possessed Malcolm. But at this point, it's in like eerie silence. And when it's stabbed, you actually see these like wounds 
open on it and like sort of splatters of like gauzy ectoplasm come out that sort of dissipate as they fly into the air he's like <laughs> and as he falls to the ground screaming again this figure disperses but you don't see what caused these wounds no no, no. I mean you can tell by like because you're, you're near it you can tell by like the sort of wounds that are open and it's quite clearly like a sort of sword or some, of some oh, sort okay. yeah Um, yeah, well, let's, let's get out of this, this room either way. Um, okay, so whilst that's been going on, Weimar and uh, Quentin, what have you guys been up to? Um, <clears throat> is this silver or gold or? It appears to be approximately like a hundred silver pieces that are scattered all around. Oh, we'll have the silver. Okay. I'm also interested in this statue down here. Yeah, but obviously move yourself in to where you're like collecting the silver. <laughs> okay, and as you start collecting the silver, the body in the coffin launches itself towards you. Of course it does. It's D D, man. Yeah, why wouldn't it? You know exactly. That's what they do, isn't it? So it will effectively get a surprise attack as it swings its rusty weapon at you. That's a 15 to hit. Yep. So it does you six hit points of damage as it slices you with this rusty weapon. A strange flickering blue-purple glow now emanating from its empty sockets. And I'm going to say, obviously, we're going to go into initiative. Like, we'll do it as we did previously. So, do you guys want to roll? One of you guys roll for initiative. I'd suggest either Weimar or Quentin, since you're the nearest. And I'll roll for the bad guy. That's a, a spicy one. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's a spicier six from me. Okay, so this creature is going to swing at Quentin again because he's the only one near. I'm going to guess that's probably a miss with an eight. Yeah, that's a miss. Yeah, so it swings at you, but this time you're ready for it. You block it with your silver dagger and you're sort of like moving backwards a little bit in a sort of like slightly measured retreat as this thing sort of like very jerkly and an almost sort of like. Jason and the Argonauts, like Ray Harryhausen style, is like moving forward, sort of swinging its sword, almost <laughs> like an automaton of bone and magic. Okay, so that's it. Go over to you guys. Stab it with the silver dagger. Okay, yep, so you, you stab it with your dagger and you manage to like chip off a small piece of bone. Okay, why not? If it chips, we can kill it. Yeah. <laughs> As the old saying goes. Yeah, yeah. It, it has time to chip its own bone. I don't know where that's going. Uh, Sunsword, uh, and we're going to give this pile of bones... Uh, swing 
Now, John, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's undead. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen for ten. Okay, so would you like to describe how you basically step in with your sword and just like, annihilate this thing? It, it, the, the the figure seems to have like an armor thing on. Does does it have like something on the bones? It it's wearing the remnants of like chainmail, but unlike the yeah. unlike the sort of polished piece that uh, Quentin found previously, this is all like rotted and like sort of rusted yeah. and falling away. So it doesn't really give it any armor protection. Yeah, I if if, if it's like a, a rusted bag of scrap and unchained. So I, I think because it gives away quite easily because it's bone, right? So yeah. uh, <laughs> just like smacking it and it, it sort of like flies back into the coffin as like the, the central mass with the most, you know, intact chain mail on it. Like the bag of chain and bone just like pff, straight back into the coffin and the rest just kind of like spill on Quentin's feet, <laughs> I guess. And indeed, that's what happens. You strike it sort of rending it apart with the sun sword in a cloud of bone and rusted metal, the majority of which is flung by the force of your blow back into the coffin and the lid like slams shut on it. That's why you rob with friends. I don't know why we didn't see that coming, but that's maybe let's and as you say, I don't know why we didn't hear that or see that coming. You hear the sound of scraping bone and moving or rusting metal from behind you and the sound of splintering wood as more of these skeletons begin to rise from their crypts. Rise from their graves. Rise! <laughs> okay, so, obviously, we're, 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 still we're fine! <laughs> Don't worry about us! Okay, so Brock and Lan, obviously we're still in <clears throat> combat rounds. Um, okay, what's what's the squares here? Are these five, five footies. Five foot, mate, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm moving everyone again. Hang on. Cool. Do you want me to just move you into the chamber? No, I've got it now. Okay, yeah, cool. Um. Yeah, also go. I'll go running in. Obviously, hearing the sort of swords and yeah, you can see Wymar and Quentin down in this like alcove to the south. This sort of like closed coffin, coins strewn about, and there's these, there's these three sort of the two skeletons like rising up from the ground. And you look to the north. There's another alcove, like one that's burst out of its coffin and is like pulling itself out. Yeah. So as I sort of just charge into the room, I just see this this thing as the nearest target. And just take a, a swing at it. Obviously, an unnatural sight. So, well, yeah. I've got no fear of uh, making an attack at that. Oh, what a letdown. He's, uh, he's hit him, but only free damage. Okay, so you deliver a, a series of like punishing blows to this creature. However, it, it's holding on to whatever mockery of life sustains it even though like 
barely any of the skeleton remains like it's missing an arm like half its rib cage is going you've like smashed half the skull but the rest of it still sort of like staggering towards you sort of swinging this rusty sword about um and then lan obviously giving pursuit will just charge forward and engage this other one as as brock sort of peels off to the left okay. she runs forward and takes a mighty swing and misses Okay, perhaps worried by uh, the danger Brock might have put himself in. Her her strike goes wild. Okay, Malcolm. Um, so I want to send the uh, friar down to the room in the north and tell the dog to protect him. And then... Yeah, no problems. I'll move the dog up there for you and the friar. And then if I can get into... Can I get into, like, here? Is that too far? Is that, is that too far? It depends on what your movement is. The, um... I think I said eight. I think that's eight and I have yeah, 40. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I will try and take out this full one here. Ooh. Uh, for eight points of damage. Okay, so describe for me how you annihilate this skeleton. Um, so I guess the lamb has kind of attacked it and kind of it's moved out of the way and I just kind of uh, baseball bat its head with my sword and it's kind of head falls off and the body just kind of uh, walks around, stumbles around for a few seconds before it falls to the ground in a pile of bones. Indeed, and that is exactly what happens. It collapses to the ground, sons ahead. Okay. Do we have anyone left to take their turn? Okay. So we'll go on to the next round then. So if one of you guys want to roll initiative. Come on, Weimar. What could possibly go wrong? Oh. Um. You're due, you're due at two at yep. least. Let's let's try and be a little bit more better this time. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We're okay. seeing improvement. So yeah. you guys going first. Okay. Right. Well, I, I think probably Malcolm Brock, you've got stuff happening right away. Yeah, do you want me to go first? Yeah, or what do you? Yeah, since I'm engaged with this one, I, I shall take another swing and try and put it to its end. Hopefully that'll do it. Indeed, as it sort of shambles forward, barely clinging on to life, you step in with your mighty sword and make short work of it. It crumbles to the ground in fragments of decaying bone and rotted finery. Okay, welcome. Uh, cool. So I just move towards this one, and pat him gently on the arm. Indeed. Okay. So, what's Lamb doing? 
Um, is there any other noise from any of the other alcoves or you, can, you can hear some noise coming from sort of like further up in the in the chamber I can't see anything yet so okay well Lan will go to uh, aid Malcolm to try and beat back this skeleton it's a hit it's only four damage that one however it has exactly four hit points so describe how Lan strides in like the, the proud warrior she is and dispatches this creature. Yeah, so a combination of sort of a, a body sort of charge or a shoulder charge and the, uh, the sort of pummel of the sword. She's just going to crush it up against the wall and it's it's just going to sort of splinter in bits and crumble to the floor. Indeed, and that is what happens. Quentin. Uh, I'm going to get a better view. Since I seem to be holding the light. Indeed. So, uh, I will stand just forward of Wymore. Okay, no problems. Speaking of which, Wymore. Quentin's moved up ahead of you with the, the torch. Yeah, I'm following along. Uh, any movements? Okay, you can definitely hear the sound of movement coming from the alcove up here. Up to the north. You can also hear it, movement coming from the alcove to the south down here. Right. I'll, um... The one in the middle had good armour. And you do indeed notice as you look to the north, you can see the, like, the skeleton that's like half out of the coffin in the central alcove on the northern side doesn't appear to have moved at all. It's still just like lying there. Okay, so I'll, I'll quickly consult Quentin's like uh, this way? Yeah. Or this way? Down. Down. So, if everyone's taken their turn, I'm going to move on to the NPCs. So, two more of these undead creatures stalk out of the alcoves. I'm going to do one attacking Quentin, one attacking Weimar, the one on Quentin. Hits for six if you've got AC yep. 16 or less. Okay, the one attacking Weimar. Its rusty weapon clangs off your armour as either one stabs Quentin in the leg with its rusty blade. And we're on to initiative again. Okay, can we get better? Six to bait. Nope, four. We, we did, but not. that's not enough. Okay, so... The one attacking Quentin. And 
misses. We want attacking Weimar. Also misses. They flail it with their rusty weapons, but their uncoordinated attacks fail to find their mark. Over to you guys. I suggest we go with Quentin and Weimar first since they're facing off against these creatures. Yep. Feel free to go, Quentin. I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stab this one. Or attempt to. Okay. Fourteen for two. Okay, yep. So you stab this creature, snapping off several of its ribs. However, it's still going. Why more? Um, yeah, same one. The one that's um, sort of swiping at, at Quentin. Okay. Uh, I don't think... Thirteen. Is that it? Yeah, six damage. Okay, so Quentin stabs it, snapping off several of its ribs, and then you just cleave downwards with the sun sword, sort of splitting it almost vertically, and it topples to the ground in a shower of bones and dust, leaving only one remaining. Okay, so Brock and Lamb. Yep, yeah, and she'll run in. Oh. And take a swing. And the last one. Land does nine damage. Describe how land finishes it off. Oh, it's, it's just going to be the good old. Uh, yeah. Two handed sword through the neck. Skull just smashes into the statue by the side of her, and uh, the body just drops to the floor. Running cleave. Yeah. Indeed. And now you can also see the statue in more detail. We're out of combat rounds now, obviously. You can see that the statue appears to depict the, the same figure as the statue you saw in the abbey upstairs. However, this figure is not wearing like, the robes of a priest, it's wearing like, the armour of a warrior. And it appears to be holding, it's not an actual weapon, it's like a stone carving, but it appears to be holding a, like a flail in its hands, sort of like up like that. And as you look at it, you can see that there are a few like fragments of like blue pigment on the, the handle, like it was once painted blue. And again, it has the same sort of, the same face as the figure upstairs, but instead of a look of sort of beneficent peace, the, there's a look of grim sort of resolve set on the face of this statue. However, the front of it is sort of like blackened and charred as though there was some sort of like great fire or like conflagration here that sort of like covered the, the facade of the statue in soot and grime. Can I examine the blue paint and see... Yeah, you look at it, it appears to be like flakes of some sort of like blue pigment, like some sort of paint that was, or that was probably once applied. I mean, it's not uncommon for statues to have been painted after they've carved, but obviously this has been here for so long, the paint's sort of like cracked and fallen away. But there's a few like traceries of blue on the, the sort of handle of this, uh, this flail. 
Okay. And is there any um, uh, name or any kind of inscription on the statue? You you lean down by the sort of the, the square stone base of the statue, and you brush it. You can just about make out there's an indentation, or some carving on it. You brush away the sort of thick layer of soot and sort of grime that's accumulated on it, and in sort of like, again sort of immaculately carved but angular writing, it says Saint Cluid the Effulgent. Mm-hmm. Okay, and our memory of uh, the story is that the abbey fell when when Saint Cluid fought. Indeed, the Nag Lord is that right? What you were told by the the Mother Superior back in uh, Prigwart was that a a great creature of chaos um, appeared, so like sometime shortly after like the dolmen would sort of disappear from the rest of the world you managed to like work out from what she said um it appeared in this abbey and the man who would later be canonized as saint cluid fought this creature using a mighty weapon of magic and power and he wounded the creature so gravely that it retreated to like the northern depths of the dolmen wood and is still like recovering from the injury to this day however in that battle, Cluid himself was mortally injured. Apparently, as, his, as he was like giving his last sort of breath, his like dying words, where he gave his magical weapon to his sort of like second in command, and told them that the this place was like tainted by the creature. And he told them like obviously he he knew he was done, but he told his second to like take his take his like holy weapon out of this place. And then okay. you know you know that apparently according to what you've been told by the mother superior that after that the the church the one true god believing that this place was like tainted by the presence of this creature they they basically ceased to use it and they didn't sort of like re-sanctify it they they just sort of left it and left it to fall into ruins because they believed the place was like besmirched and tainted by the presence of this chaos creature okay okay why didn't this one get up? Uh, should we examine it and see? Yeah, just be weary of the thing leaping out and stabbing you. Okay, well, let me go first because you look a little bit the worse for wear. Um, can we see anything in the coffin that makes it look different? Uh, nothing in the coffin. It appears to be a, a normal skeleton. The only thing that marks it different from the others is it's wearing this suit of chainmail that, like I say, looks like immaculately polished and like it was only made yesterday. Like a full okay. like suit of like chainmail, so like sort of heavy armor, like you know, it goes down to like just below the knee, basically on this skeleton. Okay. Um, and if I if I examine it, I'd know that it was a good quality. Yeah, it, look, it looks like very good quality. One thing you do notice is as you're sort of examining it, as you sort of like touch the, the chainmail, you notice it feels like very slightly like warm to the touch. Ah. Okay. Can I try and take the 
armor off the skeleton. Yep, not a problem. You take the armor off the skeleton. Okay. Um, At which point? The skeleton immediately, as you like slip it off, the skeleton immediately lunges towards you, lifting up a rusty weapon and stabs at you. Okay. And does you three hit points of damage unless you've got over 19? I have over 19. Splendid, at which point the rusty weapon scrapes off your armour. I'm not going to ask you guys to like fully like fight against this thing because like you and Quentin are in there. It's still in a coffin, it's not even got out. So between the two of you, you basically stomp this thing like into oblivion back into the coffin. So I won't make you okay. go for the rigmarole. I'd, I'd like to envision that Malcolm just literally stomped on its head. <laughs> yeah, it's still not even risen up. It's basically just sort of like gone. And then Malcolm sort of like doesn't even step back. It scrapes off his armor and he just brings his boot down on the skull of it, grinds it into powder. The arm falls back down uselessly with a clang into the coffin. And obviously you're still sort of holding this quite heavy sort of suit of chain. Cool. Um... And then I'll kind of limp away. <laughs> okay, as you as you start limping away, <clears throat> Quentin, make me a maybe a D six roll. Two. Okay, as you're sort of about to limp away, you you see like a like a little speck of dirt or like grime on the uh, on the armor, and you sort of brush it off. And as you do, obviously, Malcolm, you're still holding the armor, and Quentin, you're sort of touching it. It gets warmer still, not painfully warmer, like the warmth you might experience on a on a summer's day. Like a very sort of faint glow seems to linger around the the armor briefly, and the glow seems to move up Quentin's arm. That can't be good. At which point you regain five hit points, Quentin. <laughs> and then the glow seems to fade and the the armour sort of just feels like the normal temperature you'd expect like a suit of chain to, to feel. That is some good armour. One of you needs to wear it. Uh, so now if Brock won't look at it, I'll Ask Weimar, does he have any interest in chainmail that potentially heals? On the QT, while Brock is not, is distracted by something. <laughs> Would you like some magical armor? <laughs> Psst, hey. it's, it's just really good armor. Uh, uh, now, now, John. Would it be possible to fit it into the pipe now? Nope. Um, we'll, we'll obviously take it with us. Um, I don't think when we eventually get back home that I'll be able to make much use of this and I'll sort of like tap on the, the plate. So when we do, I think then... This might be a wonderful thing for me to pick up, especially if it's warm. Okay, so whose whose sheet would you like me to put it on? 
uh, unless Malcolm, I guess you don't. Need I it or can't use I don't. I can't. Well, I can't use it, but I also yeah. have pretty decent yeah. armor already. So yeah, yeah, you have massive armor. Yes, um, because I do. I, uh, my sheet, John, please. Okay, no problems. So, if you look in your armor section, you should now see you have the chain of the rising sun. I if if only that would fit with some other themes that I have going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you guys want to do? Well, uh, I think we've got everything we can from here. So... Uh, and we have found the passage that it's most likely the second in command left with the weapon. So perhaps we should follow it and see where it leads. Also, what happened? Because we, we were here looking at coffins and then one of them you know, became a little bit more active than we expected. What, what did you find? Um, uh, we found a study. Um, and again, while Brock is not looking, I would explain very <laughs> briefly about... Although Brock's seen it, I guess. but um, Dosen. Magic yeah. rubbish. Ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the ghosts... I love it. You're like, oh, what happened to you guys? And Brock's like, small bullshit up. That's right. <laughs> um, and I will show the guys the writings uh, that I found in the uh, table or the desk, and that we found a hidden escape route. Okay. I'll see you there, Quentin. <laughs> okay so quentin you have a look at it and you're in no doubt that it's it's not a language as such it's like a, a deliberate code but your ability still works on that so it takes you a little while but you start sort of like piecing it together like i say it's obviously been written deliberately in a code to sort of like occlude it um once you've deciphered it it reads as follows it says i cannot believe what i've discovered that the church should stoop so low to hide their part in this is also beyond belief. While studying the ancient legends, I found mention in a rare prescribed text of the sundering of the one true God into three separate parts by his jealous children uncountable ages past. As a true believer, I notified my superiors at the church, who told me that they would look into the matter. I had the strangest feeling that this news did not surprise them. It turns out I was correct. We have received word from a sympathetic brother that the church is sending an armed force to the abbey. I have no doubt they intend to silence us so that we cannot spread the truth about the sundering and that the church would rather see the blades remain separate so that they can maintain their hold on our worshippers. By the twin souls of Amet, I can hear them battering down the doors. I must hide this note. Everything I believed is a lie. Well, there you go. Well, fuck. Three swords make a god? I don't know. I <clears throat> hesitate to say this. Uh, but I've I've seen some visions. <laughs> <laughs> and just to let you know, Malcolm, I've put the priest notes on your current sheet and your inventory. Cool. Why does why does that not surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> um, you need therapy after this, Brock. <laughs> 
I'm going to not sleep well tonight. I, 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 I wish I wish when you had like a sort of chuckle from behind you from Lamb. I've I've seen, I suppose, an impression of whatever this idea might be, where I've I've seen the the old pantheon as sort of like a motion to Malcolm because he's he's on board with this shit. I've I've seen the old pantheon. Um, I I don't quite know what the other thing was that they were surrounding, but they essentially destroyed it and what was left was gold I suppose green steel and then night steel for lack of a better word um, cl- clearly whatever these are and I'll motion towards the sun sword hilt yeah so I just wanted to say that that sounds crazy and I will stop talking now So, you're saying there were there were free swords at the end of what you saw? Yeah, whatever they did destroyed something else that wasn't like them, and afterwards there were left these three things. Okay, so the, the other dilemma is what happens if you put all three of those back together? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a problem for another day. Maybe we should just try and, and find the fire. I said we just try it, you know, why not? Yes, yes, I, I think as long as we're on the trail of these swords anyway, we'll... I'm not quite sure. Okay, yeah, as Malcolm says, maybe let's worry about that once we have the swords. Okay, so as we're sort of wrapping up, guys, you guys head back to this small study that Malcolm has found this secret passage he's revealed it leads through a winding passage into a couple of like adjoined caves one of them has some storage jars some crates some barrels you like like a sort of in the, almost like a bit like a sort of smuggler's hold you break into the barrels there are there's a hundred silver pieces a hundred copper pieces in a small pot there is a brown jasper which is a gem worth 50 gold pieces and an Iagate gem also worth 50 pieces. You, there is a, another passageway that seems to lead out of it. And as you sort of follow that passageway, it ends at what appears to be a doorway. And when you open it, you find yourself emerging onto the stone stairway that led up to the abbey. And from the outside, you can see the door has been like sort of camouflaged, so it blends in with the rock. But it seems like this is a secret sort of priest bolt hole that leads to the stairway. Well, if nothing else, we've got a shelter for the night. Yes, and we could probably use some rest after our tough day. Indeed, and I think as Malcolm says that, and a gentle rain begins to fall, pattering off the the ruined stone of the the Abbey of St. Cluid. That is where we're going to draw an end to this evening's session. Thank you very much for playing, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thanks for joining us. No worries. Okay, obviously we'll sort out XP and that lot in a minute. But for now, it just remains for me to, as always, thank my wonderful players and to anyone who's watching this now or in the future. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed running it. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Take it easy. <laughs>